We are uh, we are all back. It is a cold day in mm. Louisiana, but we are nice and warm. That's it, right. Up back here, we're back in the house at Echo Tango. Yes, yes. Shout out to Echo Tango, Tommy Tally, everybody over here, welcoming us back again. We hope you all had a wonderful Thanksgiving weekend and that you got all the things you were looking for over the weekend in your shopping sprees. Indeed. Indeed. He is the Don Waddle, Donald Dunn, and I am David Storm Manning, PA announcer, game day host for your New Orleans Saints. I'm still not sure how loud I can get on these mics. Well, we'll find out. Let's find out. Let's let's do this, shall we? <clears throat> your New Orleans Saints. I like when we open it up like that. Oh, I think that one stayed all in, too. Mm-hmm, yes. All right. Cool beans. Cool, cool. So we are live streaming. Absolutely. Which is welcome audience. Pretty much going to be par for the course, which means instead of kicking it to the comments to look back at last week's comments, which we will continue to do for those of you who are not watching it live as we're doing it. uh, We are actually we've got producer Brett over there in the producer Brett uh, production station. Yes. And he's going to be monitoring the live stream. So if you guys have any comments. Uh, definitely uh, hit us up throughout the show, and we will pay attention to those. Shout out. Uh, we've already got our first smashed like at hey, least one. I think Jordan go. gets first like yes. uh, for the week. So Shout uh, out to first. Shout out to Jordan who smashed, liked that, or smashed the like button in the movie theater. In said. the movie theater. I don't know what he's watching, but apparently it's a junk movie. Mm. Thank you, Jordan. We appreciate, appreciate it. Appreciate you. All right, so we got a lot to get over. Oh, it is a too much. big, big week. Big week. It's the end of college football season, uh, the regular season yes. anyway. We got the extracurriculars, championship week, and very much like the NFL, yeah. as soon as the season is over, the firing season mm. begins. Uh, so there's a lot of stuff that we're going to get to on that. We are still counting down the days to the Heisman Trophy. Absolutely. Uh, and the announcement of who the Heisman Trophy winner will be. Uh, but first, what did you have for Thanksgiving? What did you eat? You know, I went with the classics. We went with mac and cheese, a little bit of turkey, some rice dressing, more Louisiana friendly. Um, threw in a pork loin in there. For those who want to be creative and some green beans. So just a delicious meal all together. All right. Producer Brett, you were in Utah. What were the, what were the, well, uh, what was the grub for Thanksgiving? I was forced to not cook and I would have done a turducken, but I had the driest turkey of my life. Okay. So we all ate a little bit of, of dirty bird Mm -hmm. uh, because I had some turkey. We also had some, uh, uh, we had ham and we had a couple other things. So it's a good thing that we got a chance to enjoy a little bit of dirty bird because the saints, they did not. Should we say they choked on the bird? Uh, I don't know that I would say it quite like that. Mm. That's a bit provocative. Whoa. But they, uh, yeah, it were bads. Uh, the Saints lose to Atlanta 24 to 15 in Atlanta. Both teams now five and six with those records, having them tied atop of the NFC South. But by virtue of last week's loss, Atlanta now the front runner in the NFC South. Indeed. The Saints lost a whole lot more than just the game. Uh, the injury bug came back and bit him hard. Chris Olave went out with a third-quarter concussion. He is currently under protocols for that concussion, uh, and he is questionable for this weekend coming against yep. the Lions. Could not have come at a worse time for all this. Rashid Shahid is listed as day-to-day questionable. He had a quad injury 
but yesterday, as reported by Big Easy Nation on social media, mm-hmm. uh, he is likely uh, to be unavailable against the Lions. Ooh. So... That is now Rashid Shahid, potentially Chris Olave. Michael Thomas. Mike Thomas is on IR. Bring on the practice squad Let's receivers. John Trey Kirkland. Uh-huh. You about to get you and A.T. Perry mm-hmm. and everybody and everybody mama. about to eat. Look, I tell you what, if you if you caught a football over Thanksgiving break, the Saints might could use you at receiver. Uh, right before the game against the Falcons, Marshawn Lattimore joined Mike Thomas on IR. Yep. Then the Saints filled that available roster spot. With newly signed veteran <laughs> defensive end, Jason Pierre-Paul, elevating him from the practice squad. And if you got excited about that, you if you not. down with JPP, well, you shouldn't be. Because he's gone. And if I'm explaining why in sing-song fashion, it's been one week since he played for the mm. New Orleans Saints. Now he's going to Miami. Hey. They signed him off of our practice squad today. Great. Today. Uh, he is going to go play over there. Miami lost their linebacker, Jalen Phillips, for season-ending Achilles tear. Uh, JPP is a defensive end, so that doesn't really But f- I should say, before. That's star peg circle hole. That doesn't fit. Before we get a little bit too far, Jason Pierre-Paul did say a thank you to New Orleans and the New Orleans Saints organization, unlike a former prominent New Orleans player who we will re- uh, leave nameless. Correct. Yes. Um, and for what it's worth, Jason Pierre-Paul is a native Floridian. Yes. Uh, he Makes finished that thank you tweet with a I'm going home and a Dolphins emoji. So thanks for that one week. Um, sorry that we couldn't give you a W in New Orleans. Hope you enjoyed the food while you were down here. Yep. Um, go easy on us if we ever get a chance to play against you. Kicker Blake Groupie. He was the only scorer for the New Orleans Saints. Put out a day. Had a we go, day. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to touch on this for a second. Yeah. In a minute, I'm going to touch on this. He went five for six from field goal range. He missed one. And what most people don't know is he did that with an injured groin. Yep. He was injured in that game. Pretty important muscle for kicking a football 50 uh-huh. yards. 50-something yards, 40-something yeah. yards. A couple of high 30-yarders mm-hmm. and a 29-yarder, and there was another one in Keeping there somewhere. Keeping it in between the And then for every one of the ones he made, he had to turn around and kick the ball back afterwards. Through so, the end zone. So that's at least 12 kicks. Yep. So this probably is a surprise to just about nobody. The Saints announced earlier today that they're trying out kickers. Mm -hmm. They've been in town. Mason Crosby and James McCourt were among those in the group in the Big Easy uh, kicking for the Saints today. Now, at first, I wasn't surprised because uh, that's a lot of reps for a kicker with a groin injury. Mm -hmm. So I'm thinking, you've got the Lions coming up this weekend. That's a big game. Yeah, low margin Especially, Especially after losing to Atlanta. You have to turn around. Blake Groupie is probably the highest scorer on the Saints team this season. Yeah. I haven't looked up the numbers, but it wouldn't but shock me if he was. I believe he is. I believe he is still. If he strained that injury doing all those mm-hmm. kicks, he would need to be uh, – we would need to have a backup kicker. Absolutely. Makes sense. We have an Australian punter. Don't know how good he is at place kicking. I'm, I'm reckoning probably drop, not that good. More of a drop ball sport over there in Australia. But then I went and looked at the injury report, and guess who ain't on it? Blake Groupie. Blake Groupie not on the injury report. But 
the Saints are still trying out kickers. Do we read between the lines on that? If I if I read between the lines, I'd say that this is something where they know that that groin is prone to flare-ups. And if they need to have somebody ready to go with somewhat of an idea of how the game plan is going to work, they want them in the building today instead of Friday afternoon on a plane. Well, not thanks to, but because of Jason Pierre-Paul heading over to Miami. Yep. We do have that open spot on the practice Squad. Might as well uh, make a few bucks and, uh, you know. We'll see how that goes. I am sure that we're going to get more information. That's that's the one real downfall to us doing yeah. the show on a Tuesday. And sometimes that news breaks on a Thursday. Yeah. So that's why we always tell you guys, make sure you're following us on all your favorite social media channels. That way when that news does break and we share it with you on social media because it comes out after right. the live programs, you remain in the know. Um. All right, so that's that's the look that's, back. Yeah. Now it's time to have a, a difficult uh, conversation. We have to, you know. And this is this is probably going to be more so difficult for me. Sit around the table and, you know, have the coming to. Well, here's the thing, though. All season long, I have tried to be the voice of reason. Yeah. When talking about Saints and Saints football. I have tried to be Mr. Optimism. Yep. Mr. Positivity, I have tried to be the voice of reality when fandom kicks in and it gets a little rowdy and, mm-hmm. and you know, the, I'm the temporary expectations guy. My inner fan is starting to come out and it's, it's very Dr. Jekyll, Mr. Hyde. Yeah. And it's hard to keep him at bay because we have reached a point where there is absolutely zero reasonable explanation for what is happening on offense. It is uh, mind-boggling. We were in scoring position seven times against Atlanta. Seven times. Several times in the red zone. If we were a good football team, we could have scored 49 points. Easily. Easily. We moved the ball well. 444 total yards of offense. Very effective day. Zero touchdowns. Six field goal attempts, one red zone pick six thrown by Derek Carr. Yep. Something is broken. I agree. Something is broken. If this was a household appliance, if this was your toaster, if this Mm -hmm. was your washing machine, your dryer, your dishwasher, my garage door broke earlier yesterday, and I had to get it replaced today. If it was a household appliance, you would find out what's wrong with it. You would find out if it can be fixed. And if it can't be fixed, you would replace it immediately. With producer Brett as head coach. Maybe not. But I, I I don't understand how we can continue on pretending like nothing's wrong. Yeah. And, look, I'll speak to this. I think we've seen a lot throughout the fandom this past weekend that there is a discussion forming, there's a dialogue forming, that a lot of the years of the Saints under the Sean Payton era, going down to this Dennis Allen era, there's been a lot of forgiveness given because there was wins. Over the past 100 games, the Saints are one of the winningest teams in the NFC, one of the top three. Mm Mm-hmm. And that gets you a lot of leeway. But when the wins stop coming, you have to address the problems at bay. 
Is it that we are just at the end of what was a very strong era, the best era in some of Saints football? Or is it that in some of Saints football? I would say outright Saints. I, now football. I'm going to say that just from the idea of like scooping it down to like oh six to maybe eleven, and then you know. The well, later, you youngsters, the I get la- it, but I grew up through the the um, the bum years. Oh, I, I grew agree. up oh, through I, the Bobby Abair years. Sean Payton, Drew Brees, best era in Saints football. Hands down, ever, no debate about it. Yeah, I like to I like to consider young Drew Brees, which is, you know, through maybe the first Super Bowl and then the Rob Super Bowl in 18. So it's sort of two different eras because it was two different teams gotcha. uh, after you lost Reggie and everybody like that. But uh, nevertheless, you know, is it just that maybe you're sort of losing your edge and you need to restructure? Or is this truly where, you know, you may have to look at something like the Pelicans have done over the past few where they've had to just say, okay, we're going to wipe it all out. We're going to get new leadership. We're going to start fresh and rebuild a winner. It's weird to have this conversation for the Saints because, like you say, for the younger generation, the Saints have never tanked. The Saints have never had an attempt to get a low draft pick. They did, of course, during the Katrina year, but there were a lot of extenuating circumstances. Other than that, the Saints have always tried to be competitive post you know, the first playoff victory with Brooks. This will be the first time in three decades where it's the question is legitimate. Should we just go for the draft pick? Is it not worth trying to play for the victory anymore? You you do know what my answer to that question is. Oh, I know is. what it's got to be. The answer is no. The answer is absolutely not. And at this point, I can't say 100% I agree with that. But see, here's, here's, here's why. First of all, last season the Saints went 7-10. and 10. Yes. It's not unrealistic that the Saints could improve upon that mark this year. Oh, I agree. That they could go 8 and 9, 9 and 8, 10 and 6, or 10 and 7. Maybe. Maybe. I I mean, mathematically possible, likely. No. At this point, something's got to change. Dennis Allen cannot, cannot tank this season. And here's why he personally can't. Oh, I know. Because why he can't. Go ahead and tell. If, can you imagine what the national chatter would be mm-hmm. when the New Orleans Saints tank a season to try to get a draft pick when they had the easiest schedule in football prior to the season? They had one of the weakest schedules Still in is. football. Still is. Still is. And, and they're going to... Tank it? Tank it for a draft pick? Now, granted, they would still not get the top draft pick. No. They've already done enough work to pretty, limit themselves from I feel, that. I feel pretty confident that uh, Carolina yeah. and Chicago are going to get those. Um, but that's that's one reason why. Two, he can't tank the season that he brings in Derek Carr. He can't make the arguments that he made for Derek Carr in here mm-hmm. and then – tank a season with Derek Carr and expect any Saints fan at all to ever respect Derek Carr as a good quarterback. They're having a hard enough time doing that right now. Yeah. And 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 to that point, there's a stat that I saw post game which I think kind of points a finger back to what's what's happening and one of the reasons why we cannot tank we are we're not allowed to tank in this one. Not we're not allowed by the league, yeah, but we're but, not by principle. Well, and the league doesn't want you tanking either. Well, they but, don't, yeah. but I mean we know what happens in right. sports. 
Uh, Josh Dubow from the Associated Press tweeted that the Saints have scored three touchdowns on their last 32 drives. Yep. Which overall, that's terrible. That is awful, statistically. None of those three touchdowns that were scored were spearheaded by, by Derek Carr. Yep. He had nothing to do with them. Two were on drive spearheaded by Jameis when Derek Carr was hurt mm-hmm. against Minnesota. The other one was by Taysom Hill when Derek Carr was on the sidelines. Yep. Now, in that drive, Derek Carr did have a hand in moving the Saints downfield. I agree. But he did not have a hand in putting the Saints in the end zone. That was in the Bears game, if I'm correct, right? I believe so, yes. Mm-hmm. Derek Carr has not had a hand in putting the Saints in the end zone in three games. Yeah. Unforgivable. At this point. Unallowable. That You cannot do that. You can't do that in the NFL. Especially not at the rate that, you know, Derek Carr's being paid. You, you can't do that in the NFL. You can't do that in the NFC South against a division rival. And you can't do that against teams that have the record that our opponents do. I agree. We are supposed to be a three or four loss team right now. We are not supposed to be a six-loss team still looking at six more games to go. Exactly. This should have been an easy, easy 10-7, 11-6 season with Dennis Allen looking like a stud going from 7-10 and 10 to 10-7, to winning the division, Hosting a playoff game. And playing a hard game. Rewriting the rhetoric that everyone is spewing about him. His, he cannot get out of his shadow from Oakland. Everybody still thinks that he's a terrible coach. And he has done nothing to disprove the naysayers at this point. He is on pace to improve upon last season's mark. Marginally. Marginally. But not at all on point to where you should be. And what's what's why? Why is that? Is it because of him? Is it because of Pete Carmichael and and un unvetted play calling? Yeah. Is it because of um, Derek Carr and him not doing enough to being injured to, well, on and off? Well, being injured on and off. But remember earlier in the season where they had those chemistry issues with yeah. the receivers. Everybody deals with injury bugs. We could have been any one of those teams that lost a quarterback to an ACL oh, or, a, or yeah. a knee injury and they were out for the season, a la Aaron Rodgers or what have you. But it's just, for whatever reason, and every Saints fan has their own explanation as to why. Mm-hmm. And it's just our speculation from the sidelines. Yes. Something is broken. I, I think that Dennis Allen knows what it is. And if I was to guess, I'm going to tell you what I think it is. Mm -hmm. Dennis Allen loves Derek Carr. Yep. He was huge on Derek Carr. Instrumental on drafting Derek Carr to the Raiders when he was coaching there. That's what brought Derek Carr into the NFL. Oh, I agree. And we've established this in in previous episodes. Mm -hmm. I know for a fact that... That was the QB one that Dennis Allen wanted. As soon as they said, all right, coach, pick your quarterback, he tried to go after Derek Carr a year earlier, didn't work, was blessed to to get it this year. Blessed. Yeah. Um, I think it's one of those things where 
the scenario is Dennis Allen is is your good buddy. Yeah. Derek Carr is his girlfriend that you don't like. Mm-hmm. Right? Or his partner. Yeah. We'll be, you know, we'll be politically correct for 2023. He's the partner that that the friends don't like. Yeah. And Dennis Allen doesn't see what the friends see. Mm-hmm. Something's got him blinded, maybe. Maybe. I'm guessing. And it's starting to get to a point where those things are becoming more visible yep. and harder to deny. Friends are coming up with scenarios. Well, it's situations. not even friends are coming up with scenarios. It's you've heard all the things the friends have said for 11 weeks now. Yep. And now you're starting to see it. But you're invested. That's right. You convinced an entire organization, an entire fan base. That this was the right this move. Is, this is the right move. This is the one. We this is the one. Easy season. You go right into playoffs. Derek becomes your new guy. What do you do after you've paid him what you've paid him, given him the contract you've given him halfway through the season to switch to Jameis? Well, how do you save face in that scenario? I've provided a lovely hypothetical that I hope that you all will enjoy hearing me out on. So if the Saints are to go the route where Derek is kept for the 52 million reasons why we keep him, you're going to have to make concessions with the fan base. Because the fan base will not support you through, theoretically, four more years of Derek Carr if things are not changing. So the way how I see a hypothetical out of this for Dennis Allen to retain his job, he's going to have to, at some point or another, you know, use the Mike Tomlin route and say, hey, this offensive experiment is not working. We have not seen improvement because I'll give you this little fun tidbit. Did you know that Andy Dalton up to this point last year was performing better than Derek Carr is through this time this year? So clearly we've seen there's a lack of improvement there. So he decides, hey, this offense direction, we got to go in another way. So that happens. The release of Pete Carmichael in whatever way that happens, be it the end of the season or uh, some point in the midpoint. But at this point, with six games left. Why would you bother? Then you have to say, I noticed that what I have may not be what I thought I had, but they're still good in him. So you attempt to use a new centerpiece on the offense, and you attempt to use a new coaching strategy on the offense. So you bring in a new offensive coordinator, and you bring in a new centerpiece. Now, a lot of the Saints nation want that new centerpiece to be the future of the team in Jaden Daniels. However, we've discussed on previous episodes, it's unlikely, but we'll assume that maybe they need to make up some face for what happened this season. Should we not make the playoffs or you get any of the other pieces, be it a Malik neighbors, you go get a uh, Michael Penix, you go get any of these high profile names that look like your offensive savior. But then you use the opportunity to say, Hey, we like them, but we want to bring them in slowly to the league. So you bench them, not bench them, but you let them grow on the bench, let them hold the clipboard, figure out the ropes of the league try and go a Pat Mahomes route, although it doesn't quite correlate because of their age, and you go two more years with Derek Carr, or one more year if it seems like your future prodigy is coming up fast, and in the same moment, I think the Saints need to package the veterans out for draft picks. So, the Saints have always made an off-season, 
Saints have always made off-season moves, and especially yeah. in recent off-seasons by packaging out veterans. So I, I definitely see them doing that. What do the Saints need? Looking at the whole team, what do they need? If you want to tell me that they need a franchise quarterback, all right. Yeah. I, I don't know that the Saints have the identity that they have an established franchise quarterback right now. Mm-hmm. Everybody in the organization will tell you it's Derek Carr, but the fans haven't bought into that yet. Yep. So let's say they go out and mm-hmm. they get Jaden Daniels. Yep. I'll bite just for the sake of hypotheticals yeah, for the sake of it. because it's fun. You know what happens to Jaden Daniels next year? Joe Burrow's first year. It would be exactly like that. We have zero reliability on the offensive line. I'm telling you right now, the safe bet from a money standpoint, not that I can tell you how to bet. I'm not telling you how to bet. I, I don't have insider information on this. I'm just a fan who's yeah. watched it long enough to understand the patterns. Saints are going to be picking a lot of linemen in the I draft agree. next season, or they're going to make a lot of off-season moves for veteran linemen uh, in in the off-season. Because what if you tell me I have a problem with a piece of my equipment? I'm gonna I'm gonna go back until I can isolate exactly what that problem is, and I'm gonna fix just that problem. Mm-hmm. If you're gonna tell me that. Derek Carr doesn't have the time or the protection to do what they want to do, then you've got to go fix the line. So you fix the thing you think is wrong, but if the problem still remains, you realize you still have a problem. Exactly. And then you fix the remaining problem. You got to fix the line first. Otherwise it doesn't matter who you get. Exactly. They're going to end up hurt. And and that's what I, I think I'm saying there, maybe with the packages of veterans there, is that if you do bring in an asset, you're going to have to almost sit them the first year for the sake of you not having a line. So then does that mean second round or maybe an acquired late first round becomes a new, we'll say it for the sake of what it is, someone to replace maybe a Trevor Penning, who has shown to be less than effective in his run blocking, which is limiting your passing game. Is pass blocking okay? Or do you let that asset grow? Who knows? Um, the Andres Pete, who is coming into an older part of his career, sort of just refreshing those things. Because I think the only person who has a guaranteed job on the line right now is Ryan Ramchek. Absolutely. Um, and that's a hard thing to say. Trevor Penning is still very young. Very young. From a, from a playing in the league perspective. So I think you you let it ride and that's, with Trevor Penning. And give him one more year and yeah. see how he does. And if he doesn't advance, then maybe before you re-sign, because he'll be coming up on third yep. year, yep. then um, then maybe maybe you restructure then. Exactly. So. And that's where I think, you know, the Saints discussion is right now, is that, okay, let's say, just looking immediately, very short term, we're going to talk about it more in uh, predictions. You win the game against the Lions – the fan base says, maybe we have a chance. Maybe we were just mean for that Atlanta game. It was on the road. We should have been nicer. Or you drop the Lions game very rough, and then everyone has validation for their comments, and they're going to even double down. That's going to be an interesting take there, and I think uh, we'll be monitoring it. Well, the shame of it all is this is the worst week 
of all to have that conversation. Exactly. The Saints are once again in a two-game losing streak. We'll get into it more when we when we get into predictions. But if I'm if I'm tipping the hat, yep. This was one of my seven. Yep. This is a terrible week for us to feel the way we feel going into the game we're going into. Yep. We'll we'll come back and we'll bring it back around when we uh, when we get into predictions later on Absolutely. in the program. Do we have any uh, any listener input about the Saints and what's going on? All right. If you guys do have comments, please make sure to jump in and let us know. Before we move on, we'll make sure to address your topics with uh, with what we are discussing. However, and in the meanwhile, one of the things we would like to make sure that you get is your fair shot mm. at ten thousand dollars. Family Promise of Saint Tammany Parish would like to give you that ten thousand dollars. Family Promise is an organization that provides shelter, help, and hope for families on the North Shore, and they can't do it alone. For only $25 from now until December 15th, just about three more weeks, you can still buy your tickets for their fourth annual Family Promise raffle. Starting back on November 1st, they began drawing for amazing daily prizes. They still are giving away prizes every day, and all daily winners remain eligible for the $10,000 grand prize drawing on December 15th. The more tickets you have, the better your odds. You can get yours now, and you should, at fpstp.org. That's FPSTP, short for Family Promise of St. Tammany Parish, fpstp.org. And, of course, we'd like to give a shout-out to McNeil Engineering, as McNeil Engineering provides comprehensive design services, including civil engineering, structural engineering, land surveying, high-definition scanning, landscape architecture, and consulting services to the private and public sectors. They are committed to delivering timely, responsive, and economical design solutions. For over 30 years, McNeil Engineering has thrived on establishing personal relationships, and providing quality design to their clients. They immerse themselves in each project and become part of the team to thoroughly understand the customer's vision. They care about the economics of their projects and, more importantly, the satisfaction of each customer. Project deadlines are an absolute, not a goal. Once again, we thank McNeil Engineering. Thank you, McNeil. All right, so we've uh, we've talked Saints. We'll talk a little bit more when we look ahead to the Lions game yep. later on. If you guys have predictions you want to jump in for the Lions game, please make sure that you let us know, and we will include them in our own. LSU, the regular season, well, for all college football, oh, yes. the regular season is over. We move on to the extracurriculars. Mm-hmm. LSU will only have but one. One. Whatever bowl game they end up in. Uh, but they did outlast A and M forty two to thirty to finish nine and three on the season. So what are we, what are our takeaways from that? Speaking to I guess the season overall first, I think that this year was a proof that Brian Kelly can keep the ship narrow. You can keep the ship straight and narrow. There's not going to be any fall off. You're not going to go on two, three-game losing streaks. You may end up having a game where you slip up, but there will be a uh, resolve to follow. He also showed that going up against what we have now found out, but at the beginning we thought was lesser competition, a game like Missouri, that there is the ability to go through difficult situations on the road and secure victory. However, we also learned that in moments of struggle, such as Ole Miss, Sometimes execution means everything. 
So overall, I'd say this was a success for the Kelly administration. He, at the beginning of the season, was very transparent that this team was not quite put together for a national championship. And I think if you put yourself together to have all-time offensive performances, you put yourself to become a established threat in the SEC and the college football playoff system as a whole, next year, that formula, as we see with the final playoff rankings that just came out, 13th in the nation, you're one spot away from playing in the playoff. So we're going to have to take this team and assume that with marginal increase next year, which is very possible, they're going to be in the playoff almost a guarantee. And that's what's going to be such a relief is that you're not worried about, okay, we had a good year, but is the fall off coming? I think Brian Kelly has shown that much like he did at Notre Dame, a 10-win season is almost a promise and not so much a risk. Yeah, it's going to be exciting to see what they do next season. Jaden Daniels is going to be moving on into the NFL, undoubtedly. So, Garrett Nussmeyer. Later on in the program, we are going to get into a very uh, exciting LSU commit who will be Mm -hmm. uh, a walk-on freshman. uh, Potential, I don't think he's going to redshirt. But he'll be a walk-on freshman next year. And you're going to want to keep your eyes on this kid. He could be the next Jaden Daniels. Um, But let's take a look back at some of the things that that finished – well, it, I, you know what, AM? Yeah. LSU won. We knew that was going to happen. Talk about the highlights. Let's talk about the highlights for the Tigers for the season. Uh, Jaden Daniels. Who is better quarterback for the LSU Tigers? Jaden Daniels, Joe Burrow. You know, you look at And this, I know I'm tiptoeing on the line of heresy here. I think I have come to the conclusion, and thankfully most LSU fans are doing this, and they're not just throwing, you know, at each other all day long. You have a dual goat locker room now. It is Joe Burrow and Jaden Daniels. Each one did amazing things in their own right. Now, obviously, Joe being first, Joe going 15-0 and and leading you to the greatest team of all time will have his own special feeling. But the fact that Jaden saved you from what was potentially a losing season, <laughs> Jaden kept people enjoying themselves in Louisiana for four months whenever there was despair at the door, and sort of his whole story, you know, proving that you can come to LSU and be whatever you want now that he's going to have a chance to become, you know, first-round draft pick where coming out of Arizona State, you thought he might not even, you know, sniff a minor league. He is truly, you know, showing that LSU is the brand, and if you put yourself with that brand, it'll take you anywhere. But Joe when- Burrow also had a defense. That's true. So that's that's <laughs> – Joe Burrow had a defense, and he also had one of the most stacked offenses ever in the history. And, that, and that's why I said like, he, he led a team, the so, greatest team. So I was going to ask, if we're going to have the, the two-goat discussion, when Drew Brees retired, who was the better quarterback, him or Tom Brady? Uh-huh. Yes, exactly. And here's why. Tom Brady had a million and nine rings. That's right. But Drew Brees had every record. So, by what criteria do you judge who's the best? Undoubtedly, Joe Burrow had the, he spearheaded the best college football team of all time. Yes. Nobody will take that away from Joe Burrow. He was the leader of the greatest college football team to ever play in any era. Jaden Daniels beat him in every major stat. Yeah. I'm a numbers guy. And just like Shakira's hips, the numbers don't lie. 
total yards uh, throughout 11 games in their senior se- senior season. Joey B, 42-53. Jaden Daniels, 45-91. Uh, touchdowns responsible for Joey, 44. Jaden, 46. Turnovers, Joe Burrow with a modest seven. Yes. Jaden with a more modest five. Five. That same like number, number. Yeah, that's right. Overall quarterback rating. Joey B, 93. Great quarterback rating. Jaden Daniels, 95. Five. I'm just saying, every stat at the end of 11 games, uh, Jaden Daniels outperformed Joe Burrow. And for what it's worth, after 12, it didn't change either. So, so I ask you again. Who's the best quarterback to ever play for LSU? I'll say this, and I think people would agree with me here. Joe Burrow took himself to another tier with primarily that semifinal game against Oklahoma where he dropped, you know, the 49 points in the first half. Him and Justin Jefferson had an absolute, you know, putting their names in the dictionary. That's what a quarterback is. That's what a wide receiver is. That was a moment that they got to have that Jaden will never get to see what he could do in that stage. And it's a shame, but at the same time – if we're talking about regular seasons, I will agree from an offensive perspective, speaking on the offensive side of the ball, Jaden had a better offensive year than Joe Burrow did. However, because of a crippled team um, in that defense where you were hoping that 50 was enough to win, you didn't get to see it pay off what it should have with any other well, LSU team. If Jaden didn't have as good of a team. That doesn't stop him from being a good quarterback. But neither of them are the GOATs. Doc Fenton from 1908, the LSU quarterback, actually put up more points, led the nation in points, and better stats than either of them from all the stats I could find that were recorded in 1908. How many total yards did he have? Um, And first of all, how many years of eligibility was he allowed to play in (laughs) 1908? What oh, kind of NCAA sanctioning did he have to deal with in 1908? Because, Brett, you don't want me to raise you, young bussy, the 1937 LSU Tigers SEC championship winning quarterback who went on to have a great career in the NFL. However, unlike Alec Box, did you know that he was one of the other primary LSU sports figures who was slain in World War II? I think that we should name a plaza or something at LSU for Young and his great accomplishments as his time as a Tiger. Yeah, and let us never forget uh, undefeated football coach Bo Rain. Exactly. All great Tigers. All unrecognized. However, if we're talking about... Yeah, but neither one of them is Joe Burrow or If we're talking about the recognized Tigers, look... Get this train back on the track. I'm not going to divide the fan base. I think they both (laughs) get a statue next to each other, and they both, you know... I will. Jaden did more with less resources. Literally, Joe Burrow had an NFL team. Every single, like, I think it's 30-something people on both sides of the ball that were, were drafted. Were yeah. drafted. That is an NFL team. You put the 2019 Tigers right after the game with Clemson against half the teams in the NFL, they probably would have No, it's have an all-star won. game. But literally, they, they would have won. So, I, 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 Jaden Daniels last year, look what he did. People are talking about this year. Look what he did last year. He had less resources and brought us to the West. Then look at this year. Like, it's insane. And, and yeah, I mean, look, I think you have to look at it in one element that I think is the main difference between the two. You had a better running back with Joe. You had Clyde, who was a competent first-round pick running back. Mm-hmm. 
Jaden was the running back. Yes. And was one of the best running backs in the SEC. Correct. Dare I say the NCAA. He's one of the top 20 rushers in the entire NCAA this year. Right. That's that's my point entirely. Exactly. So, I mean. So, do you think he should win the Heisman? I think he should. I think he should. Right, you think you think Jaden should win the Heisman? hundred uh, percent. And if he doesn't win the Heisman, it, it's rigged. It, it, it's ridiculous. Old man Nix needs to go to his retirement home. The dude at Washington, I, I, I don't even know crap about him, to be honest with you. But that proves my point, Jaden Friesen. So, this week, according to the sports books, Jaden and Bo Nix have once again flip-flop in the Heisman standings. Bo Nix somehow is once again the favorite with a uh, with minus 180 odds. I, I'm pretty sure Bo Nix played in 1908 against Doc Felton because that's how long <laughs> I've been hearing about him. <laughs> uh, Jaden is currently second at plus 140. Michael Penix is way back in the plus yeah. thousands. Uh, he is Which the is next surprising, closest. by the way. Also, Bo Nix had to leave the SEC to get good stats. Jaden came to the SEC and maintained great stats. Exceeded in great so, stats. So, going into last week, right? Yep. Uh, Jaden was on top of the world. It was his to lose, everybody said. Um, they played Texas A&M. Jaden went 16 of 24, 235. Modest. Yep. Four touchdowns. Not, Not modest. modest. Uh, no interceptions, quarterback rating of 98.3, and that's aside from his 11 carries for 120 yards, exactly. which is a guaranteed first down, 10.9 yards mm-hmm. every time he ran. Those were his stats. Bo Nix in Oregon, they had a rivalry game versus number 16, Oregon State. He went 33 for 40. Okay, good for you. Yeah. You threw the ball more, and you completed more. Fantastic. 367 yards in the air, only two touchdowns, no interceptions, quarterback rating of 97.4. That's less. Exactly. Jaden's was still higher. Hold on. He only also had 31 yards on six carries, which is 5.2 yards per carry. The Oregon newspaper covering Mm. it said that Jaden Daniels had a modest game, and that's what allowed (laughs) Bo Nix to jump back ahead of him. In that modest game where Jaden had four touchdowns to Bo Nix's two and a higher quarterback rating and more rushing yards, the only difference was all-purpose yards. When you add them all together, uh, Bo Nix responsible 367 and 31 is 398, and Jaden Daniels 235 plus 120 is 355. So we're literally talking about 43 yards. Exactly. Yes, I did that math in my head. You're welcome. Um, 43 yards. That's the modest difference. And should I mention that Texas A&M had a top 10 defense in the nation? We have played more teams that have either been higher ranked or had higher ranked defenses. Exactly. But still, Jaden Daniels, the Rodney Dangerfield of the Heisman Trophy race, because he's on a three, a three loss team. And allow me to hop on a soapbox uh, real quick. Look. I think we all know here we chose to do this show for a reason. There were elements of the sports media, particularly surrounding college football, that we felt lacked when we came to make this show. Yep. And it has continued to prove itself that way. For those of you who enjoy, uh, be it the Fox or NBC productions, I'm sure you are noticing that there is an extreme lack of SEC coverage on these networks as they are partnered with the Big Ten and the Pac-12 as it currently exists. 
This has allowed Bo Nix and Michael Penix to have a unregistered access to the spotlight on these two major networks, which are primarily serving the major markets in the United States of America, be it New York City, L.A., Chicago, and so forth and so on. While you look on the contrary, where the SEC is aligned with ESPN, ABC, and CBS, carrying some major markets, the Florida markets, Houston, Texas, Charlotte, North Carolina, Atlanta, Georgia. It is clear that when you look at where certain journalists are based and you compare that to their thoughts and opinions, it somewhat has a geographical tie, which we've heard for many years, and this was very big, particularly way back during the start of the college football playoff and BCS era, that there was this East Coast bias, that SEC was being propped up by ESPN, that they were... You mean they're, they're localists? Exactly. They're localists? A regional sport has regional ties? Regionalists? May I believe so. And now we're seeing Localism. the repercussions Regionalism. of this. Because if you listen to certain programs, and this is even on ESPN, I'll take the bias out of it, but they're based in these major markets, they will say that Maserati Marv should win the Heisman Trophy. Marvin Harrison Jr. Nah. Who Negative. does not lead in touchdowns, receptions, yardage. Oh, wait, those two guys are at so LSU. So what you're saying is my conspiracy theory about the broadcasters and their weight on the sport of college football might be correct? I'm saying partially. I'm saying if you go back to the numbers, because the stats don't lie, and I'm gonna That's true. tell us why. And I'd like to thank Cody Warsham, the LSU chief brand officer. He took a moment to uh, put together a little spreadsheet comparing Jaden Daniels, Michael Penix, and Bo Nix, the three front runners for the Heisman Trophy. Let's hear it. And uh, all of the major stats. And I'm not going to go through each and every one of these. We'll post this spreadsheet yep. up on our social channels. That way you guys can see them and analyze them uh, for yourselves. But there's 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15, 16, 17, 18, 19, 20, 21, 22, 23, 24, 25, 26, 27, 28, 29, 30 stat categories. I do not have that many hands and toes. 30. Cannot count. 30 stat categories. And what he did was he filled out all the, the, the values for those stat categories per player. Yeah. And then he highlighted who was the winner per category. 30 stat 30. categories. Bo Nix, your front runner. How many you think he got highlighted of the 30? He's the front runner uh, now. Front probably runner. the oldest. <laughs> it's nothing to, well, it might have something to do with it. <laughs> he's the front runner. Right? Producer he's, Brett, he's give your, us your, he's your coaching. Lead. How many how many did Bo Nix have highlighted of the 30? It can't be rushing yards. It can't be passing yards. Um I I literally have no idea. I'll say maybe. I think that he had a pretty good chance at that completion percentage where he dinks and dunks for five yards over the middle and then his wide receiver goes off for 40 yards after the catch and you hear Gus Johnson on a Saturday morning yell, Bo Nix with a 40-yard pass. Mm -hmm. Bo Nix with a three-yard pass. Exactly. Or his No-name uh, receiver with a 37-yard pass that's running behind the line of scrimmage that then gets taken for 20 yards. Of course, yeah. Thank you, Bo So Nix. how many do you think he's got highlighted? I'm going to go with four. Three. 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 He does have passing yards. 
believe it or not, Brett. He's got 3,906, which is seven more than Michael Penix, who's in second. And um, Jaden is in 38-12 for passing yards. And then you were right. His completion percentage is higher because yep. he does. He dinks and dunks 78.6. Jaden came in second with 72.2. Well, there's no way it's rushing yards because he's using a it's wheelchair. Definitely, no, it's <laughs> definitely not rushing <laughs> Uh, I think we know who's got rushing yards adjusting and adjusted completion percentage. Okay. So if not for completion percentage and passing yards that he barely got, yeah, he would have zero of 30, three of 30, 10% of the stats he's winning. That's your front runner, folks. Keep that in mind. Michael Penix, how many does he have? Oh, I think Michael probably has two. That's exactly correct. Wow, I'm really good on this. Average Maybe I distance do this for my of target, 11.3. Big time throws, 30. Jaden has 29. So he barely wow, yep. has that one. So between those two who are at second or who are at first and third, that's five of 30 stat categories. Hmm. You don't have to be a mathematician to know that Jaden has all the rest. That's right. 25 stat categories. Jaden is smoking them. It's not a barely beating them. Smoking them. Convince me that any one of these two goons deserves to be Heisman Trophy winner over Jaden Daniels. I'll wait. You're not going to do it. You can't do it. Why? Numbers don't lie. Numbers don't lie. Um, and speaking of numbers not lying, because uh, we could we could, we could beat on that, on that horse yeah. all day. Malik Neighbors, mm. he had six receptions, 122 yards, two touchdowns against Texas A&M. He says, not enough. Oh, it's not enough. It's not enough. He's, uh, he is going to play in the bowl game. He for wants sure. more. No matter who it is, because he wants to break the LSU all-time receiving record. Uh, in the A&M game, he did break the career receptions record. He's now just 21 yards. And the way he and Jane Daniels have been connecting all season, it should that's not take pass. Long. 21 yards short of Josh Reed, who played at LSU from 99 to 2001. He just needs to get over 3,001. Yep. He's at 2980. Say what you will about the BCS era. You never heard the word bull opt-out during it. Mm-mm. And that's the thing well, I think that's going to be fun about this season for LSU is that I can't say what Jaden Daniels is going to do, and he has every right to go ahead and say, I gave everything I could for the university. But something tells me he wants to be there the moment when Malik Neighbors breaks that record. Something tells me he wants to have the opportunity to put him and Malik, who gained so much prestige during their time together, on that record placard in the Lawton room so that way future generations of LSU Tigers fans can remember that record and those two together as a unit. Rightfully and deservedly so. Sadly, he's going to have to wait till likely the Relia Quest Bowl. That's what it looks like. Mm. And it doesn't look like they're going to get a chance to play Tulane yeah. in the Peach. Nope, Arkansas lost But they're losers. We could get the BK Bowl. Yep, Notre Dame. It looks like we might have Brian Kelly versus Notre Dame. Personally, I'm a fan of LSU versus Iowa Steel Curtain defense, and we can really see who has the uh, optimal unbalanced team. Is all defense the winner, or is all offense the winner? You decide. So I'm going to make one last point on this before we we get on. Uh, One thing that I thought was – if you if you want to try to convince me that 
there is some scripting done in football mm. somewhere. Michael Penix plays for Washington. That's right. Bo Nix plays for Oregon. Guess which two teams are playing in the Pac-12 championship on Friday night just two days before they announce the Heisman Trophy winner? I think it's uh, Washington and Oregon. Those two already played. They both get injured. And and should I mention? <laughs> should I mention? Look, I'm going to be very frank. I'll peel it back a little bit further. Do you know where they play the Pac-12 championship now? I don't. They play it in Allegiant Stadium, in Las Vegas, Nevada. That's some bulls. So dare That's I say? Dare I say it's a little convenient that the now Heisman favorite is going to be playing in Vegas. Where the odds makers now, get a Where the odds makers. Now, to all LSU fans, I would never advocate harming a person. I have said this before, and I will say it again <laughs> in my personal life. You don't need kneecaps to breathe. So, whatever you do, do not. You've already established that not, Bo Nix is playing in a wheelchair. Oh, wait. Yeah. Right. Dang. Well, Guess you're just going to have to take his pudding away from him. No treat for <laughs> Bo Nix this week. That's that's how you make sure that Bo Nix has a bad game. Leave his dentures at home. You right? just you just catch that case of uh, insure before it gets to the stadium. That's right. He's got no protein. If, if he does, I, I don't think he will. I truly don't. I, I think that there is some grace of God that will allow the true best player in the league, uh, Jaden, to win the Heisman. To be fair, I think the but Heisman winners are on Jaden's side from – be it Tim Tebow, Robert Griffin III. Yes, but mm-hmm. Donald, if if Knicks gets it, how long before Auburn starts claiming him? I'm just throwing that out there. Hey, but look, if Jaden Daniels doesn't win the Heisman, it's okay because he's still a finalist for the Walter Camp, the Davey O'Brien, and the Maxwell Awards. It's not okay. Ride in the street, Tiger fans. What he said is not okay. Jaden for Heisman or bust. That's right. I tell you what, if I, and I'm not trying to be even political, but if y'all thought that it was a travesty when Trump didn't get elected and people started storming the Capitol, I'm just saying we need to have like a there's going to be a, a hundred thousand tiger march on the NCAA offices because that's some baloney. Look, I'm just saying it's going to be a very rough day in Baton Rouge if that uh, we're not Sunday advocating night does not for that. We're legally. not. No, no. We are, however, that would be not. that would be happen. foolish, immature. However, we'll let improper. you guys know what and time will, the buses are going to yes. leave, and we'll and it will be led by my doppelganger Rhett Bobles, who looks <laughs> and sounds just like me. Reducer Pratt. Yes, Reducer Pratt. Reducer. Oh my God! I can't wait for Reducer Pratt to come back. Miss that guy. All right, that's enough about yeah, that. We will find transition. out. We'll know who the Heisman Trophy winner is by the next show. Twelve yep. three. The announcement is made. It's that boy. It's your boy. You know what? That's kid Jaden. Tulane. They finished eleven and one on the season. A Ten game win streak. Twenty nine to sixteen over UTSA. They now face SMU for the AAC championship. Which uh, we're not going to get in too much of that because we're going to talk about that when we get into predictions. I will say this much though: uh, y'all know what my first car was? A Mustang. Mustang. You know what my favorite car is? A Green Wave. A what? A Mustang. Go Mustang. <sighs> Lord, they're not even a Louisiana team. Uh, it was Tulane's 16-3 to dominant second quarter that would carry the green wave to victory. Michael Pratt was very un-Pratt-like. He was yeah. only 9 of 22 
for 125. Did have two touchdowns, both of which went to Chris Brazel mm-hmm. on five of Pratt's nine completions. Uh, the two-lane defense definitely seemed back. Oh, absolutely. Uh, UTSA, not a slouch team. They did pick up 375 total yards, but the two-lane defense only allowed 16 points. They claimed five turnovers in that game. It was. Uh, did you watch the game by chance? I did not get a chance to watch I, it. I was watching it. I read two-lane versus UTSA for dummies. Now, I'm going to speak very quickly. I was not driving anywhere near I-10 over the Bonnie Carey watching this game. <laughs> <laughs> Good. And I did not get a call from him where he said during the call, hold on, I'm trying to place some bets right now. And I said, aren't you driving? And he said, no, nah, it's I-10. Like it's fine. That did not take place. <laughs> so look, <laughs> Tulane put together a performance this week. Tulane was on top of their game. And the score was not accurate for this, by the way. That late touchdown from UTSA made it look a little bit more lopsided than it was. And Tulane had control of this game the entire game, which is what I think is maybe more of the unsung hero in all of this. They controlled and dominated UTSA, a team that is very competent of not only controlling games themselves, but absolutely leaving opponents in the dust offensively. I think this is a great test for what they're going to see this Saturday whenever SMU does come into town into Yulman, where they earn the right, by the way, in this UTSA game to host for back-to-back years. This is a great chance for Tulane to really cement the program. You have a coach like Willie Fritz who's going to be getting a lot of calls this week, as we've mentioned. Yeah, he will. The number's going to be flying in. I would not be surprised if there's a team in North Carolina. Why you didn't tell me we were doing that? I wasn't See, see I can throw it in any time. Who lost a coach to uh, another SEC school this week? Wait a minute. Um, Which team from North Carolina lost a coach? That would be Duke. Oh, yeah, they yep. sure did, didn't mm-hmm. they? A&M got it on the cheap. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, so, I mean, look, this is going to be an interesting opportunity for Tulane to sort of step out of what they were for so long, which was sort of just the other team in Louisiana, that team in New Orleans that nobody really has any rooting interest for. You win back-to-back conference championships, you're a force. Mm-hmm. Suddenly people's talking. So people are talking. You're respected. Even if you have a lot of transfers go out, you're still a leading institution. I'm really looking forward to seeing what Tulane can do in this opportunity. I am too. We'll talk about that a little bit later on when we come back for predictions. Uh, do we have anybody from uh, college football wanting to make any comments? Jaden, Tulane, LSU, Malik, anybody, anything? Uh Christian Hall said, love the show, but other than that, nothing's really happening. I'll say this much. I don't think Tulane is a force. They've played a cupcake schedule. Your mom is a cupcake schedule. Thank you, Christian. We love you, too. Charlotte. Charlotte Hall. Oh, Charlotte. I was about to say. I don't know why I say Christian. That's on me, Charlotte. Thank you, Charlotte. I love you. All right. Mm, We're going to come back. We're going to take a look at our full court press here in just a moment. But nowadays, everyone has something to say. Not everybody has a way to say it. Not anymore. Omega Sound and Entertainment, proud partners of the Boot Sports Network and equipment providers for Boots to Balls, would like to introduce Omega Sound Mobile Podcasting. They can show up wherever you are with all the gear and expertise you'll need, recording, editing, producing, even 
Publishing. Mm. Whatever level of help you need, they are happy to provide. Omega Sound Mobile Podcasting is available now. For more information, check out omegasounddjs.com or call them 985-503-3357. That's 985-503-3357. And, of course, if you're looking for the place to find this Louisiana news as it's coming to you live, it's a very jam-packed weekend. Coaches are being released. Players are entering the portal. It is through the Boots Sports Network. We are on constant alert, be it on Facebook, Instagram, X if you're into that. Occasionally, we'll be getting some TikToks going soon, I understand. Mm-hmm. And all of this content is for your information, for your benefit. But it's not only you, dear viewer. It's your friends, your family. When your mom asked you this Thanksgiving, hey, how are the Tigers going to do this weekend? Well, the guys from Boot Sports Network say... Eh? You should go check out our latest episode of Boots the Balls and follow the social media for all the latest breaking news across all Louisiana teams. We talk a lot about certain ones here, but let me tell you, there are none left out over there. So go ahead, hit the follow, the bell, share, and please put in a word for your friends at the Network. And Blue if you Sports don't Network. like and subscribe, we will find you. And Charlotte, you love the show. It is your duty to make sure others love it as much. Exactly. Also, um, the Easter Bunny is watching a movie, but sure will listen later. I don't know why everyone's watching movies. It is a big tonight. movie night. I can confirm. Some coworkers did go out to a movie. I love Minus that everyone is coming out tomorrow. Please see it. Please, please let Japanese Godzilla movies succeed in the American box office. I love that we have people who are like, yeah, I'll go to the movies. But don't mind me while I'm watching Boots to Balls on the Boot Sports Network. Hey. Love it. All right. You ready to kick it around the boot? I think we should kick it around the boot. Let's kick it around the boot. The boot. It is the end of college football regular season, as we've discussed, and much like in the NFL, once the season ends, the firings begin. Mm. Uh, It was reported on Sunday that UL Monroe has parted ways with their head coach, Terry Bowden, after dropping their last 10 straight. Mm. They finished the season 2-10, and dead last in the Sun Belt. Yeesh. And I know we don't usually talk about high school sports, but when big stories happen... You got to talk about them. Congratulations to Lafayette Christian's Juwan Johnson. Pay attention. I'm not talking about Saints tight end Juwan Johnson. I'm talking about Lafayette Christian quarterback Juwan Johnson, who made LHSAA history Friday night. He is now uh, the quarterback for the Lafayette Christian Knights, and he is the state record holder for most offensive total yards in a high school career. Wow. He started as a freshman and then continued throughout his high school campaign. He finished his quarterfinal state championship match against McDonough 35 with a total of 13,662 total yards on their way to a 57-21 victory. Impressive. In the quarters. Still got a few more games to go there. The previous record was set by Evangel quarterback Brock Berlin in 1999 with 13,659. That record stood for over 20, about 25 years. Longer than Juwan's been alive. I mean, Johnson still has at least one, if not two more games to go in his high school career to keep padding that stat. And 
He's only four touchdowns away from setting the all-time touchdown record in the state. I wonder where he's going to school at. And he's the LSU commit I was talking about earlier. Whoa. This could be, I don't want to say Jaden Daniels 2.0. I wanted to at first. He's going to be Juwan Johnson 1.0. This kid is going to be in a category all on his own. And if he's putting up those kinds of numbers in high school, yep. I can't wait to see what that boy is going to do playing real ball in Tiger Stadium. Excited to see it. Congratulations, Juwan. You keep going. Break them records. Then let's put him in a side-by-side-by-side graphic comparing him and Jaden and Joey B a few years down the line. I would love it. Oh, yeah. Congratulations. Also, real quick, going out to Lady Tiger, Anissa Morrow, who was named the ESPN Player of the Week after her outstanding performance in a hard-fought 76-73 win against Virginia last week. Morrow tallied a double-double with uh, 37 points, 16 boards, two assists, one block, but still, where the hell is Angel Reese? We'll talk about that a little bit later in our full-court press. I just wanted to get all festive and holiday. That's right. Yeah, we're getting into that new season. It's nice. It felt good. It felt good. Get the old CDs out. All right, you kick it. All right. So, just before Thanksgiving, during our last episode, believe it or not, Tulane made a little bit of announcement. You may remember that their former athletic director decided it was time to head to greener pastures. So, he went to the cold greener northwest. Greener than Tulane Green Wave? The cold northwest, where it's covered in snow and fish. Washington <laughs> University, down there at Pike's Market. So we wish him the best, but Tulane decided, you know what? There's only one person who can handle a true Louisiana powerhouse that's emerging. Reducer Pratt! Reducer Pratt! Was the Baton you? Rouge native. He's wearing the baby blues! Was, was not you? chosen. It was a good man, a man by the name of, and we're going to just let it soak for a minute. da 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 I love a dramatic pause. David Harris. Congratulations, David Harris. David Harris. Has been. Sorry, Brett. Yeah. We, we wanted to give you a moment in sorry. case you needed I to. I did not want the job. You needed to clear your nose. You needed to just breathe. We didn't want you to get too worked up when we announced the name. We know you put a hard effort this season to try and get that job. I did not send my resume to that job. More. For what it's, it to several, but not for, that job. For what it's worth, I'm pretty sure the board was paying attention and they heard all your comments disparagingly to the program. I'm like. Maybe not. May maybe, not be the maybe, one. Maybe this David Harris fellow looks like the guy. But look, David Harris put together an impressive career. He's been at Northern Iowa recently where he was able to join the 40-member Division I Council on NCAA Sports. Pretty prestigious for a university of its size to get up to those ranks. He also led some great programs both in football, men's basketball, and he was considered at other athletic departments where he has worked before, such as Wisconsin and Ole Miss. Strange to see that was where he jumped to from Baton Rouge. But everyone has a path, and we're glad to see David Harris has decided to come back to the boot. We wish you the best there. Welcome back, David. And while people are doing good in the boot and they're coming back, the Zydeco are back from their one-loss slumber. Mm. Sorry, one-win slumber. They've won a second game. They did. Congratulations over the Blue Ridge Bobcats. I had a Virginia native hanging out with me this week, and uh, you know I've had some trouble with this name. It is actually not what either one of us thought. It's not Wytheville? It's not Wytheville. Hooked on phonics dictates it's Wytheville. But it is not. What is it? 
It's uh, Withville. Like nah, with. I don't believe it. Yeah, like with. No, that would be with, with an I. Why would you put a Y in it? I, I don't know how they chose to say it, but that's what the person from Virginia said. W-Y-A-T-T. Wit. Wife. With. We'll call it what we want. And uh, the Zydeco. We're in a state where we have something called Chafuncta, so we have no room to talk. Brett, spell Choptulas. Fifth Amendment. T-C-H-O-U-P-I-T-O-U-L-A-S. Boom. I probably got that wrong. But I know. It sounded right, and that's what matters. T-C-H-O-U-P-I-T-O-U-L-A-S. No, I think that's right. I think I got it right. Y'all check me. Let me know in the comments yeah. if I messed that or up. Or you spell chop tools down in the comments. Turn that auto spell off. The Zydeco, however, are now back on a win streak, and then they fell off. <laughs> but overall, continued improved play. The margins are coming down, and they're playing some much more friendly competition, at least in the competitiveness, but in the spirit. I mean, look, if you go read some of these Zydeco pages, some of these Mississippi Seawolf fans are starting to put a bad name on Baton Rouge, and I don't think we believe in that here in this boot. I believe we won't stand for that here in this boot. So please consider making your way down to the Raising Cane's River Center Arena and let all your friends from Biloxi and Gulfport know why they're on that side of the coast and not here in the great state of Louisiana. They're going to be on thin ice, they will. And join Joseph Furtado on his call on WBRZ and on the Zydeco YouTube page. And uh, bonus... Kicking around the boot here. We have new coaches. We do have a couple. Brand new. Announced just before we started streaming here. Brian McCorkle is the new head man at Northwestern State University. Blaine. Blaine, I'm sorry. Blaine McCorkle. We'll get that ready for next season. That's all right. We just really enjoyed saying McCorkle. Yeah. Great last name. Good job, Northwestern. Coach McCorkle. So he's going to go ahead and take over a situation where that program's going to go ahead and sort of get a reboot going. Oh, my Lord. Yeah. Have you actually looked at this guy's pictures? He is a... Uh, he looks like an uh, he looks like an angry cross between John Gruden and Jim Cantori. I mean, like powerful. They've, they've got a picture of him just uh, looking uh, like he's ready to rip out the polo, run it, and like yeah. Oh, I, I don't know that I would want to be on the other side of him. No, indeed. I'm curious to see how that translates for Northwestern because I tell you what, after this year, they could use a little pick me up. And also on the north side of the state. Another change was made. This was announced in a press conference today by Grambling. Not exactly what we expected, but following their performance in the Bayou Classic, I suppose it's not entirely unheard of. John Simon Jr. was named the interim head coach of Grambling University, meaning that their permanent position is on the market. Excuse the, me, did you say north side of the state? North side of the state. I, I thought there's only southern Arkansas. <laughs> <laughs> they must feel that way whenever they try and get a good uh good crawfish going, maybe a ice cold beverage that they is poured into a styrofoam them cup. There. I've heard the rumors. Just we will not it. confirm. No. But what we can confirm is that there are now three open head coaching positions in the state of Louisiana. Southern University is still without a head coach permanently. ULM has announced that they will be without a permanent Southern head coach. Southern Jaguars. Later in the show, I'm gonna tell you why you need to hire me. But applications are open. I'm open. Oh. Get me out of the show, into that seat. I second that. And we're gonna go through it all. Oh, and of course, I want. Oh, I want to see you as the coach of Southern. You wouldn't last through uh, an off season. Oh, they would. Eat I you alive. would in just four years get them into the FBS and in five years into a national championship. 
Okay, Dion. <laughs> he doesn't know. He doesn't know. He doesn't know. That's okay. <laughs> we know. We know. We know. He doesn't. He doesn't. That's okay. Are y'all talking about JSU? I know. No, we're, we're ready we're to not. go for a full court press. <laughs> we're ready to go for a full court press. All right, it is time to answer the most pressing question right now in all of Louisiana basketball. Will I or won't I be calling a Pelicans game around this time next week? We couldn't do it without you, Dave. I don't know. Are you going to be with? Are I, we going to have to do it alone? Uh, I, I well. Are we talking about the show or are we talking about the game? Well, we'll go with the game first. Um, I, I don't know. Uh, I, we're going to find out probably in the next day or two. Uh, we will definitely keep you up to date. So, again, just another reason to make sure that you are following on your favorite social media channels. Uh, that way you'll know if I am calling the game, what day I am calling the game, whether it will be the fourth or the fifth, who we will be playing, and when and where you can go and get your tickets. Absolutely. We are definitely going to want to pack the SKC for it, whatever we do. Pretty good promo I hear going on that night. I'm sure there will be. I have no details of anything yet. Just yet. Uh, the Pels are currently atop their group in the uh, the in-season tournament, 3-1 and one record. For them to guarantee advancement into the next knockout round, uh, we need Houston to lose their final in-season tournament game which is against the Dallas Mavericks, which I is happening tonight. Give me the update. Right now, the Dallas Mavericks are leading 54-50 to 50 at the half. I like it, but it needs to be more. Yep. Needs to be more. That's entirely too close. Dallas has already been eliminated from further contention, so it's just a regular season game That's from right. them, but they are doing very well this season. Absolutely. If Houston wins, they're going to finish the group uh, the group round three and one, same as us, but they would advance to the next round because sadly they are our one loss. All the stats and analysis point to Dallas winning this one. We will have to wait and see. In the meanwhile, like I said, Boot Sports Network, all your socials uh, to make sure that you guys stay in the know. The real question. I know. The other question. Angel Reese. Where you been? Girl. She has remained absent and quiet since last week. She didn't go to the Cayman Islands with the team. And I'm going to tell you, honestly, we talked about this. And I'm going to put it out there for you guys as well. I wanted so badly to say that after one of their first appearances in the Cayman Classic, in a presser, Coach Mulkey was dealing with somebody who asked about Angel Reese. And I swore I heard her say, I'll give you an update when we get back home. Yeah. It was obvious that she wasn't there. She didn't travel with the so team. So there's no update. But I went it. but I went looking for that clip because I, I wanted I wanted to have it. I wanted yeah. validation. I wanted to make sure I didn't make it up. Don't I can't find it anywhere. Great lost media. So I don't I don't know if if I really did see that or if I'm making it up. I don't know. Um either way. Last week I said that we shouldn't speculate because we just didn't know. There was so much going on. I'm ready to start speculating now. How are you? I am. I am. I think it's been long enough, first and foremost. Um, and, and there's another reason why. There have been all sorts of rumors, whether it be that she's out because of her grades or she got suspended for something, mm-hmm. whatever, which to date have all been unfounded. Unfounded. But something Kim Mulkey said addressing the situation in a press conference recently really stuck out to me after I paid a little bit more attention to it last yeah. week. In addressing one particular member of the media named Scott. Scott. I I didn't catch Scott's last name. 
Uh, after telling him that she was going to answer his questions the same as she did in the press conference prior, yep. she had been talking about locker room issues earlier in the presser. Then after that question, started talking about her team as a family and who is entitled to what information. You guys probably remember that. Then she gave an example of Scott where she said, Scott, if you're disciplining your family, who is entitled to that information? Mm-hmm. Coach, that's a very An interesting, interesting example. Why would that be your go-to example? Mm-hmm. Why is disciplining a child your first simile, metaphor, analogy, unless, unless. it's just familiar? Hmm. Unless you had to discipline your child. So, hmm, let's speculate. We're going to go round table in this long rectangular table. Yes. Rhett, we want you in on this one as well. What? I, I what? heard she hold got on. into a fight. Hold on, hold on. Wait, I didn't even ask yes, the question. Ask question. And this goes for everybody who's watching live as well. What locker room issues are going on with Angel Reese that would require discipline that would have led to her absence from the team? I don't know, but you can find that Sunday on the Super Slam. <laughs> Suddenly, you don't want to talk about the fight. Well, well, I yeah, I, I heard from a friend of the show named Scotty, uh, who often is very weirdly accurate in his LSU predictions because he knows some sources that I'm not going to reveal their names. They're very close to the athletic director in the programs, um, and he was like, "Yeah, it was a fight. She got into a fight." Now, granted, this is unfounded. Uh, this is I heard from whoever. All rumors and speculation. Yeah, this my is cousin's this is brother, my cousin's sister. brother, sister heard at a thirty-one flavors last night. Hearsay. That Hearsay. I object. That so we can't confirm this. This is unfounded. But rumor is she got into a fight with who? I didn't ask. I didn't even I, go there. I didn't ask. As as fan, true fans, the Bootswords Network know. I Respectful. don't follow basketball. So when he was talking about it, I was just kind of like, oh, cool. That's why you produce and you're not general talent. That is important information. Well, I can tell you this much. Uh, I heard they got into a fight, but apparently the fight's resolved if she's chilling at practice. Um, I hope more wins because a win for LSU is a win for America, much like Dallas, America's team. Now, has anybody seen Angel Reese since this this mysterious absence? Voluntarily shown herself on her own social media and and the PMAC. All of herself? I'm not going to go into that. No, no, I I didn't mean that. That sounded sounded That sounded so terrible. Here's what I meant. Here's what I meant. That's really speculation. Hyper speculation. Could you see both of her hands? No. She got into a fight and broke a finger. Fisticuffs is what they might call it. Right. Well, no. Like, I know someone who recently broke his pinky finger on someone's head. Yeah. If she broke a finger, it'd be real hard for her to play basketball. And she got to run around and answer questions about why she's got... A broken finger. Casts up on the hand. and hey, Pinky finger, they casted yeah. him from here to here. Oh, yeah. So, if she's not showing both hands, how do we know that both hands are okay? Maybe. Maybe. Maybe she's about to come out of that cast. And look. And maybe the timeline is just this game. And I think this is the biggest thing that we can all take away from this, is that we've learned that LSU has a beautiful media department. 
Yeah, they do. And they have players, which we have learned Angel Reese is in no way disassociating herself from the team, likes every single post, some posts that most people don't like. <laughs> <laughs> that they really don't need to like Angel. It's like we we get it. You're cool. Um, it's not that she's cool. She's just letting you know she's there. Yeah, and you know, I'm going going on you know social media for the first time last night, showing herself in the PMAC that you know she's around, and it was don't at the same time as other teammates there. So it's not like forget about me. Yeah, don't forget about me. So, but at the same time, also winning community awards for charitable give backs, things of the nature. So it's very int- oh, and let's not forget this was named into the Forbes top thirty under thirty. Let's not forget that. Damn. Another another little another little tidbit there. Go ahead on um, with your bad self. So, you know, Angel will be back, we think, and we might get our first insight at that tomorrow. That's Wednesday for those of you watching after the live stream. Uh, there'll be a press conference ahead of Thursday's big game, which we'll be talking about later in this episode. I think Kim Mulkey might be ready to tell us some information now that they're back from the Cayman Islands. Well rested. So what do you think happened? Look, I, I think here's what you have. No, this is this is your speculation. This is my, this is my speculation. Throw out a wild, crazy rumor. I think what That's you have here is. is there was some type of a situation within the locker room. Donald, we're not some bald Hudco roofers. We can actually hey. say what we want to say hey. on this show. Who could what that? you got against bald people? We love bald people. Jerk. We just don't like bald Hudco roofers. At least I don't. Personal vendettas over there from the producer. But... Look, the I think views of producer Brett are not the views of, of the, the sports, sports network. <laughs> <laughs> we don't have a problem at all with Hudco Roofers, especially if they want to sponsor the show. That's right. <laughs> so now that that's out the way, Angel Reese, uh, I think, look, I think say she, what you want to say. Can we talk about Angel Reese, please? All right. say it. It's a shame we give him the mute, but the mute button. Down I there. know the producer with control over all. I think more than anything, what you saw from Angel Reese here is that there was some sort of a major team violation that was broken. And it's a major team violation. That Such as? Hold on. I got one. So I think it was something along the lines of there was a disrespect event. There was something of a personal disagreement. And things had to be sorted out. And if we went the old-timey way and we just, you know, dropped the gloves, went in the back, finished it, took care of it, and now it's over with, cool. If it's in the new timey way where we had to sit across the room from each other, stare at one another, stank eye, and then go on social media at the same time as you're staring at the same person and talk there, I get that too. It obviously wasn't on the personal. It wasn't on the major, on the business profile. But who knows? We've seen certain basketball players that like to have a few burner accounts now and then. So was Angel Reese, you know, talking there? Who knows? But what I think we've learned more than anything is that there was something that caused at the halftime of her last game played to say, you know what, we're done with this. We're going to put it, we're, we're putting it away. You go figure that out. And she hasn't been seen since. So I think if we're looking at that, I believe that was now three to four games ago, I believe five now if we include all the ones in the Caymans, that was Kent State. Generally, if we look at what a five-game suspension is, that's about an eighth of the season. Basketball, uh, Football-wise, it's a two-game suspension. Two-game suspension is usually something along the lines of fighting, major misconduct, and we've ruled out it's not academics, courtesy of LSU, at least on paper. So, sounds like there was a major misconduct. Two uh, minutes in the penalty box for you hockey fans out there. So, was it Kent State that she... I believe it was her last game. Or was it Miss Valley State? Kent State. She played at least two. 
fully. No, she was okay. She was there. So I want to say it was broke Kent her double State. double streak. By the way, all that's right. the biggest tragedy of it all. Again, this is all rumors and speculation. But follow me down the rabbit hole. Oh boy, I'm going. I'm going to. I'm going to dive back. Okay. To a crazy analogy that I said when we when we started talking about this last week. I'm hearing it. But it ties in with what producer Brett said. And and it will it will evolve beyond what you said. You're laughing. Do you have a comment? No, no, not okay. not for these airways. I do not have not a for comment. these airways, no. Okay. So what if what hypothetically if? Perhaps even. Rumors and speculation. Angel Reese, because Kim Mulkey has been saying locker room issues. Locker rooms. Has beef with new Tiger transfer Haley Van Lith. Maybe Haley just didn't play an LSU natty champion ball, or wasn't, against K-State. And maybe... They've been beefing, not quite getting on the same page. I'm hearing you. I'm listening. Maybe they started fussing, yelling. Mm-hmm. Maybe things got a little physical in the locker room at halftime. And that's when Coach said, nah, sit, done. Not doing this. Maybe she was the aggressor in the situation. Mm-hmm. Maybe she acted out inappropriately. She got hot-headed. She, moment of weakness. Not faulting her for it. It happens sometimes. Competitive sport. Now, producer Brett said uh, he had heard that maybe that it had something to do with a fight. Maybe it was a big fight in the locker room that involved all the team. Verbal altercation? No, no, not a verbal altercation. I'm thinking a physical altercation. And maybe even that physical altercation spilled out outside the locker room. Speculation, would say. Speculation and rumors. I don't know. We're just BSing because if she's going to continue it's to be gone and we're not going to correct and we're not going to we're not going to be told what's going on. We're just left to our own devices. Well, let's have some fun with it. Yeah. Maybe. What if? Would it be so crazy to believe? I would hope that's not the situation. It'd be tragic. It would well, be. It, it would crazy be crazy to believe some yelling went on in Kent State. I mean. I just wonder. Will we ever know the truth? I think that will be... Was there or was there not a second shooter in the grassy knoll? Leave it alone. Leave it alone. alone. Leave it alone. Leave it alone. Get your mic and leave it alone. Leave it. That's... I mean, if we're speculating, and that's all this is... Yeah. It's a hell of a story. I think more than anything... is that this is going to be... is filled with a heck of stories. Here's, Here's how we know. Here's how we know. Somebody go check Haley Van List's social media accounts and see if Angel Reese is liking any posts. If she's liking everybody else's posts, she's leaving breadcrumbs. I find it find interesting. Find the one team member she's not liking any posts for. Have you That's got, the one she's have got you done research with. on this? I've not, but now I think I'm going to. The investigative report of Dave continues after this. Eat your heart out, Fletcher Mackles. 60-minute noise. Tick, 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 tick. I tell you what, now that I've said it, anybody that's, ooh, that's a good idea. I'm going to go take a look. I'm telling you. Tell them where you got the idea from. Give us credit. And comment. Uh, Comment. Let us know. Let us know. It was my idea from last week, piggybacked off of his, then piggybacked off of yours. So 
y'all just helped me. Y'all gave me the, I knew it was Professor Plum. He told me it was the conservatory. You said it was the lead pipe. That's how that worked. You know uh, what needs a lead pipe? <laughs> the hopes and dreams of LSU men's basketball fans. Sweet Jesus. You want the update? Give me the Sports update. Network, are you ready for the update? The LSU Fighting Tigers tonight played in the inaugural SEC, uh, sorry, ACC-SEC Challenge. That's on purpose. Um, and let me tell you, the Fighting Tigers played a great first half. 33-28. <laughs> this is one of our few times we're ever at the former known Carrier Dome up there in Syracuse, New York. Snowing, very cold. 19,602 in attendance. We don't do well in the snow, even in Syracuse was a point and a half favorite if you're considering what the doll hairs are talking about. Um, Look, uh, LSU would prove that they are not a second-half team. Your Fighting Tigers of LSU would drop this game. Would you like to give a prediction? I'm looking dead at it. Brett, would you like to give a prediction? Uh, This is is college (laughs) basketball. Well, you turn been, your mic on. You've been turn your mic on. Turn your mic on. Sixty-three to seventy-two. He's getting better. You've LSU. been. That's right. Uh, you've been to a college basketball game before, so good on you. You weren't far off, except the Tigers were far off of what they should be doing. It was eighty to fifty-seven. They lost the second half, forty-seven to twenty-nine. They played. You they know, scored more points in the second half. About they gave scored away one extra point in the second half. One one additional point, 28-29. LSU drops to four and three with that <laughs> loss. Syracuse bumps to five and two. Still not a terrible record. Not a not terrible a bad record start to for end. the season. I, I do know this though. As as a video editor, I once was given uh, a video to edit for the Syracuse basketball team. Interesting. And I learned that they are. Did they actually, ask if you could add in photoshopped balls going through hoops? No, but the, the robots had to throw the ball. Anyway, anyway, well, I'm not, I'm not joking. Anyway, I, I bring this up because I learned from this experience that Syracuse is a very good basketball school. Yes, and they're mm-hmm. known for it. Apparently, did been. you know that yep. Syracuse plays basketball in their football dome? I did not know that. I know they let little robots throw the ball. Now you know about that. And let me tell you something else you didn't know. You didn't know that the Tigers shot a whopping nine percent from the three. Shooting two of 22 compared to Syracuse, who did a little bit better, 11 of 21. And you'd say, well, what difference does that make? Well, believe it or not, Syracuse only shot the ball two more times than your LSU Tigers in this game. They both shot for 39% from the field. That's crazy. So, uh, quite a game of parody. And, uh, you know, Matt McMahon will continue to work on this. He uh, did have somebody in double figures. Shout out to Jalen Reed. Uh, he came in with 14 points, 11 rebounds for the Tigers, as well as a steal. So, we will go from there. And uh, the Tigers, I believe they are playing. Drum roll. Southeastern Louisiana next. Ah. A team very near and dear to your heart. They are indeed. Well, at least the football team was. Get right game for the Tigers. All right. We are going to come back. It's time for us to look back and uh, to look ahead. We've got last week and this week's predictions. If uh, you guys, I'll give you the the slate of games before we jump into them. Uh, These are the games that we are going to call. So if you want to go ahead and get your predictions ready. absolutely. LSU versus Virginia Tech, women's basketball. La Tech versus Nichols, men's basketball. Pelicans versus Spurs on uh, Friday the 
uh, this Friday, the December, this Friday. Yes. I didn't write December that. December 1st. Thank you. Uh, Tulane versus SMU, the AAC championship game. Uh, Saints versus Lions. Zydeco versus Seawolves. Those are the games that we are going to be predicting. So y'all get your predictions in. Put them in the comments section, the chat section. Let us know. And we'll get around to them here in just a second. But first, no self-respecting sports fan likes to play on ugly turf, which is why I and so many others trust my lawn care to Fleur de Green Lawn and Landscaping. Chris and the crew at Fleur de Green do a whole lot more than just mow lawns, which I can tell you from firsthand experience that they do do well. But they can also help with landscaping installation, plant and garden maintenance, drainage, irrigation installs and repairs, pavestone patios, fences, and much, much more. For examples of their work, check them out on Facebook at Fleur de Green Lawn and Landscape. Or for more information, call Fleur de Green at 504 240 8044. You can also email fdglandscape at gmail.com. Tell them David Storm sent you Fleur de Green Lawn and Landscape. They love what they do. You will too. I do. All right. That's it. We ready to get into it? I think we're ready. Okay. Looking back. It's a fairly balanced week Quite balanced. for all of us. Uh, and something very interesting happened. Some I think predictions we didn't think were going to go certain ways. For the first time in history, I think Brett has got more than a ding. Whoa. So we'll get into it. Let's see how that went. We start with the Bayou Classic Southern versus Grambling. Great game. Great game, by the way. It was a great game. A very well-attended game. Yes. One of the the highest attendances in Bayou Classic history. was higher than all the other FCS playoff games combined. If you're ever curious why the SWAC and MEAC do not participate in the FCS playoffs in a full contingency, generally it's because they outdraw them way over. Because yeah, they don't need to. Uh, this one was a good one. We all thought Southern was going to come away with it, and they did. Final score was 27-22. to 22. Uh, I said 35-24. I thought it was going to be higher scoring. I was off by 10. Did not get it. For the first time in Boots to Balls history, we have a tie, gentlemen. How will we determine this? So here is uh, the question. How do we determine that? Uh, Donald, both you and Brett were off by five points. Okay. Donald, you said 28-26. to Mm. Brett said... 27 to 17. So do we give you both the ding for being off by the same total? Or would Brett get favor because he actually got one of the scores right? He got the Southern 27. I got the score right. It goes to me. I think there's only one way to determine this. The person who loses will have to ask a trivia question to the two who did not who tied? I, I got one of the scores right. It's the the two who that. tied, whoever so, gives the answer right first wins. So let's let's put it to the listeners. The listeners. Do we give Brett and Donald both a ding? But or, I got an exact part of the score correct. I think, the, I think it's all about what the listeners want, Brett. Or, you can't deny your audience. that's more accurate. You're going to get a ding either way. You just are trying to deny Donald his ding. I'm trying to get two dings. I, I You're not like, going to get two dings. You're only I like a one. little ding. I want ding. to deny Donald his ding. Well, then give him his ding, and we'll call it a tie. No, both no I'm denying his ding. We'll throw it to the listeners. All right, we throw it to I'd the listeners. To. Go ahead. What should we do? Put it up in the chat or in the comment section. Let us know. Uh, does Donald keep his ding, or is Brett the sole ding-dong? 
because he actually got part of the score correct. Uh, moving on, we will come back to that once we get our answer after our uh, after our uh, looking back segment. Absolutely. Here. Nichols at Southern Illinois FCS round one. <laughs> Yikes! Yeah. yeah. So uh, Sorry, nobody Nichols. saw that coming. Uh, Thirty-five to nothing. Nichols got blanked. They looked like they did early on in the yeah. season in this one. Uh, SIU, you were the only person to take Southern Illinois in this. So you, uh, despite being 28 points off, we were all way off because nobody, nobody bet the shutout. Uh, you get the ding for that one. Uh, had I said Southern, I would have taken the ding on that. I was 25 points off, 31-21. Brett was 31 off. Uh, he said Nichols 31-27. So Donald has at least one, maybe two dings now. And look, Nichols had a great season, but I think this really shows that this is sort of the risk when you let an unranked team into the playoffs. We'll see how it plays off in the big FBS ranks next year, but, you know, shout out to Nichols. You had a great season, and you still came home with hardware. Yeah, you did. You are still uh, conference champions. That's right. So, all right, uh, game three, ULL versus ULM. We uh, did not all agree on this one. Uh, the final was 52-21 to 21 ULL. Donald, you picked ULM and in uh, seeming upset. Yeah I, don't, yeah, I don't know what I did there. They, uh, they did not. Uh, so you were out by picking the wrong team. Mm. Brett and I both said ULL. Brett said 28-18, was off by 27. I said 41-13, a little closer. I was off by 19. Dave's first ding of the week. Congratulations. Thank you. Moving right along. Tulane versus Utsa. Uh, we all thought it was going to be Tulane in this one. We yep. all were correct. We were all very, very close Ooh. in this one. Uh, the final score was 29 to 16. Donald, you came in with the final prediction and put yours right in between Brett and I's. Oh, wow. Uh, Brett said 27 to 24. I said 27 to 21. You said 26 to 23. And, uh, you and Brett were off by 10. I was off by seven. So I got the ding for that one. Tragedy. So two, maybe two, and one. We move on now to LSU versus Texas A&M. We have an interesting one in this one, don't we? Oh, we sure do. Uh, first and foremost, we had some uh, listener predictions to this one. Yes. Charlotte Hall did exceptionally well. She said 42-24 to 24 LSU. It was 42-30 was the final. So she did peg LSU's final score, but she was off by seven. Yep, no, she was off score. by six. Yep, one score game. So, uh, sadly, she she missed that. Somebody got closer than six. It was not Jessica Hall who said 34-24. She was off by 14. Mm-hmm. I said 51-17. I was Ooh. off by 22. Yeah. You said 56-17. So you were off by 27. Brett said the brain of Brett was 52-31, to 31, was off by 11. Uh, he was close, but the simulation, the simulation, the simulation, forty-two to twenty-nine was off by one point. Well, that's just because I let uh, them score one point less than Brian Kelly because I should have been the higher for LSU. So what you're saying is, you think that based on what you did in the simulation versus what Brian Kelly did in the game you would have gotten the victory more efficiently. Yes, 100%. In fact, I understand Southern is an HBCU. 
college. Yes. Oh, he looked but it up. He Googled it. I didn't it. look it up. I already knew that. I was wondering why y'all were y'all, y'all talking earlier, and I thought about it. However, it is in Baton Rouge. Yes. Mm-hmm. And history changes. So what is historical about a college can change. If they can add 12 teams to the playoff, destroy the Pac-12, they can hire a white man at Southern. And I bring Why this you got to make it about race? That's not at all what we were talking about. But I bring this up. That's kind of what we're talking about. Because I have a letter to read on the show. Okay. This is the letter that is a little dated. Some of the stat lines are dated. Because this letter was written in 2021 upon the firing of Coach Ed Ogeron and sent to LSU. And I would like for the Southern Athletic Department, as well as any opening open job in college football to uh, listen to and just replace LSU and Tigers with whatever your mascot or whatever it may be. Welcome, Athletic uh-huh. Um To whom it may concern. My name is Brett Michael Robles. And consider the following. Hey, I'm sorry, I don't mean to interrupt, but if you're going to give out your full name, and this is a full job interview, uh, and we're going to need you to give out your full social security, the street mm-hmm. you live on. And the 16 digit card. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Okay. Yeah. Gotcha. Your mother's maiden yes. name. And consider the following. My your, application for the position of head coach for, to your football program, for your football program. Also attached in this envelope is a cover letter and resume. I'm not going to read all that. First and foremost, I would like to make your program aware of my past accomplishments as a head football coach. In my coaching career, again, these stats are old. They have since changed. I have had 103 past national championships with LSU, all victories, five with Texas A&M, two with Florida, and a prestigious bowl game with the University of Connecticut. I've also won three Super Bowls when I was coach of the Pittsburgh Steelers. To be clear, all of these are in simulations such as NCAA 2K5 and electric football. My professional coaching career started in 2011 when my brother bought me NCAA 2011 for the Sony PlayStation 3. I immediately became obsessed with the Dynasty simulation. As I watched Coach Les Miles bring our Tigers to to the BCS National Championship, I, too, brought the LSU Tigers to the national championship that year. However, unlike alleged sexual predator Les Miles, I wasn't filled with hubris and spite (laughs) over comments made by reporters, so I actually played our best players and won that game. It also helped that I understood how to read a clock, a basic skill that most (laughs) learned before elementary school. The next year... I continued to bring the tig- our Tigers to and won the 2012 National Championship. Because also, unlike Les Miles, I know how to recruit and didn't let major talent leave our state. In fact, when I'm not getting championship trophies, I'm going to school to school recruiting the best of the best thanks to the complex dynasty votes in NCAA 2013. <laughs> yep. I don't just recruit for now, but for the future. Sometimes as a coach, you're going to lose coordinators. That's why I'm already interviewing potential coordinators for when I get the job. Unlike soon-to-be former coach, as Ogeron, who hires people off a of win in hopes for the best. Pofalini. Um, speaking of Mr. Ogeron, I promise you, Scott Woodworth, as well as all of my Tiger fans, that under no circumstances will you see me, uh, on, under Tiger fans, that under no circumstances will you see me in California chilling on the beach with 20-something girls 
because I'll mm. be with my 20-something team practicing for the game, you know, like my job entails. There's, some, there's something I saw in Ogeron that I respect, however, and it was the fake punt against Alabama. I'd admit I'm sort of an unconventional coach. With me, you'll see a lot of going for it on fourth down. But unlike Lane Kiffin, I'll choose play, wise plays for fourth downs. But to be clear, I'm thinking on another level of outside of the box. For instance, I see no current rules in the NCAA that say a dog cannot play football or have a scholarship. This is what? foreshadowing for Lane so, Kiffin's dog. So, much I like see. the historical documentary <laughs> Airbud, Offensive Retriever. Historical documentary. Be ready to see bloodhounds get scholarships um, and run the ball and run balls up and down the field. Furthermore, once in the NFL, they had a controversy called Stick'em, where players would coat their hands with glue in order to maintain possession of the ball. While this was quickly banned in the NFL, there's no current rules against using adhesive in the NCAA. With me as coach, no more seeing dropped passes in Death Valley. That's a Brett Robles guarantee. If you want to bring back dignity and respect to the LSU football program, or Southern for that matter, um, that has been set ablaze by its former coaches, hire me. Brett Robles, to put out that dumpster fire and start putting up national championships on your record. I I don't know how you didn't get the job. I mean, really? Uh, what a uh, unique and just one-of-a-kind so, professional uh, resume uh, that uh, is. You know, I, we didn't even get a chance to check out the resume, but I, I can't deny the fact that your stats speak for themselves. He's, so, uh, he's put a lot of work in. So I would like to, uh, as a member of this program, give you uh, a, 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 not a letter, but a, a recommendation. Okay. I would like to reach out to the governing board of Southern University directly, and I implore you. I beseech you, please give Brett Robles a chance. Please consider him. Allow him to come on campus and be part of practice for a day, a week. I don't think it would take longer than that, honestly. Ten minutes is all we need, really. I will be there. You have my word. I will film it in its entirety to make sure that everything <laughs> is on the up and up. His historically documented, and that he in no way does anything that would violate any of the rules or laws of the governing board of sport or your university, your academic institution. Um, just so long as we could also use it for comic purposes on this program. But I beg you. Please, give Brett Robles a chance. Thank you. You won't regret it. <laughs> Neither will I or the viewers. <laughs> that would be the greatest thing ever. Can you? Uh, just, oh, goodness. my God. Can you imagine him just getting up in the face oh, yeah. of the offensive line? What are you doing? This is not a... You forget the amount of bloodhounds I'll have on the team. They would turn on you, too. Yeah. <laughs> it wouldn't take long. 
Oh, God bless it. But well, God, that would be the funniest thing I have ever be? seen. Oh, that would be the great. I tell you what, that would be the most viral clip. Oh, that, I think that, that we ever have. Boot yeah. Sports Network would ever have. If you think Deion Sanders has media attention, you haven't seen media attention like I would get. I, oh you know, God. I don't think we have, and I don't think we should. <laughs> oh, I think we should. I want to real bad. Oh, but we shouldn't. All right. Moving right along. We still yeah. got two other games to look back at. Um, Saints-Falcons. Uh, we all thought the Saints were going to win this one. Even Jessica Hall. She said 24-21, which was a great Not prediction. Not that far off there. She was off by six. She beat you and Brett. Uh, y'all said uh, – you said 28-24. Yep. He said 31-21. It was another 13-point tie scenario, which, by the way, do we have an update on that? Has anybody chimed in with – what we're no, doing in no regards to the tie. Current. A lot of people apparently are watching movies today, though. Yeah. That's eh, dumb. We're uh, a movie. Life I a said movie. 23 to 17, which 24 15 was the final. I was off by three. So if we're going by points, uh, because we all picked the wrong team, uh, I get the ding on that one. I was the closest. Final game Pell's Clipper Burrs. Yep. Uh, it was 116 106 Pell's. We all picked the Pell's in this. Brett actually made a basketball-ish prediction. He said 105-97 Pelicans. He was off by 20 total points, but not bad. No, not bad at all. Not about. Uh, let's see. I said Pels 123-111. I was off by 12. A little closer, but you were the closest hey. with your 113-111 to prediction for the Pels. You How were off that? by 8. So, here's here's what I'm... I say, I say, you both get the ding for the time. Why not? You because neither uh, one hey, of you hey, got it. We said we would leave it to the viewers. Let's wait till next week to decide the ding. Well, fine for now because I have to tally. I'm giving him credit okay. until until at such even time. though I had the more accurate score. You by still definition. get the point, you ninny muggins. All right. Uh, overall for this week, uh, mm. Dave and Donald tied three to uh, three out of seven apiece. Brett had two out of seven. He was right behind Successful us. weekend. Successful we did. Weekend. We all did very well. Uh, the improved weekly winner overall stats, Brett at 12 of 46. Donald with 27 mm. of 77. I am at 41 of 77. So Separating. We've got six more games to pick. Again, if you guys have predictions, let us know what they are, and we will add them in. If you're not part of the live stream, you can still comment your predictions, and we will make sure that they get considered absolutely first game lsu versus virginia tech women's basketball kim mulkey's defending national champs have remained unbeaten since their season opener against ranked colorado this matchup is going to be their first contest against a ranked team since colorado virginia tech comes into this one at number nine with a five and one record the Hokies have the potential to separate themselves from opponents as evidenced by their 105 to 36 win over hcu mm. But that's their only such route, and it's HCU. Yeah. In their last five, besides that contest with HCU, Tech has lost 80-76 to to number four-ranked Iowa, beaten unranked Tulane in Kansas by a combined seven points, and had a solid performance against unranked UNC Greensburg, 72-51. to Meanwhile, the, in my opinion, underranked LSU Tigers have been winning by 30-plus points in the majority of their games, besides a hard-fought 76-73 win against UVA earlier this week. Star power? Pick a player. Yeah. Any player. Doesn't matter. 
Can they win without Angel Reese? They've shown that they can. But what if this is the game Angel Reese returns? I think it will be. Definitely will be interesting to see. That said, Brett, you getting in on this one or no? Um, I'm not going to get on, on this one, no. Okay. Do you want us to just skip you for all the basketball ones? Yes, please. Okay. All right. So it's just you and I, Donald. You want to go okay. first or you want me I'll, to go first? I'll, uh, I'll take this one first. Look, I think okay. this is going to be a uh, different game for the Lady Tigers here. Um, this is, you know, kind of we're getting to a point in the season to where things should click. Things should work. And you saw in Colorado, they were able to put up about 70 points. Colorado, another high-power offense, much like Virginia Tech. Uh, we certainly saw what Virginia Tech did last year in the Final Four. It's great to have an early season rematch of that game. Uh, hopefully we get all the excitement we got from that Final Four matchup. If LSU plays similar to how they did last year, and if LSU plays how this team is capable of playing, you see a great performance from Michaela Williams. You see, you know, and this is without Angel Reese withstanding. You know, I assume she'll be back as well, but I'll say with, you know, her withstanding. Um, Anissa Moreau, everyone, you know, there's so much firepower on that team. And then, uh, of course, Flo J finishing the ball, Haley distributing. This should be probably, I'm going to go with 92, and this is very high scoring for this high level of competition, 92 to 77. Okay. A route. And and that's and that's a prediction on the guys that you know you had the chance to sort of do some team building down there in the Caymans, and this team is ready to just go ahead and show why it's truly expected to be a national championship contender. Indeed, I don't disagree. Uh, we're not terribly far off. I said eighty-two to seventy-four LSU. Yep. So I still have uh, I still got Virginia Tech in the seventies. Uh, I like the two at the end. I'm just I don't think it's going to get quite as high scoring. And that's reasonable. That's very reasonable. But I like it. Good prediction. All right, La Tech versus Nichols. This is men's basketball. Mm. The unranked Bulldogs host the unranked Colonels on. Uh, Oh, on, excuse me. Uh, that was the date. I was like, I don't understand my own typing. Uh, on December 2nd, in an interstate matchup, Nichols is 3-4 and four currently. They've won a close 168-66 against LSU. Lost a high-scoring affair, 91-81 to to Tulane. They've posted 85 in a loss to Denver, 86 in a win against Blue Mountain, and 102 in a win against South Alabama. So what I'm saying is they can put up points. Absolutely. They're going to have to if they're going to run with the five and one dogs. La Tech has posted 100-plus in two of their last five games, which were all wins, by the way. Wins by an average of 26 points per game. Yes. Anyone can win any basketball game anytime, but it's going to be tough for the Colonels in this one because Tech is literally doing everything better. Scoring more, allowing less points, better shooting percentage, more boards, assists, steals. It is going to be a long day in Ruston for Nichols. This is probably closer than they'll actually be, but I'm going La Tech 75-54. And I think that this is such a unique game here because so far we're about a month into basketball season overall, coming up to the end of November here. And we've seen a few teams that are showing themselves to be competitors in the state. I think you have a really strong team from Tulane. You have McNeese out there. They're doing pretty good things, and they don't even have a head coach yet. 
These two teams are kind of the great question mark in the state. You see La Tech, who's 5-1. and one. They've been playing very strong basketball. The competition, however, has not yet risen to a level that we've been able to sort of judge them on. You look at Nichols, they have a few signature wins. South Alabama, LSU, very much larger programs as far as dollars than their own. However, are these the programs that they should be benchmarking themselves with? I think what this will be more than anything is a litmus test for Nichols. I think even if La Tech struggles in this game, they're still playing their own brand of basketball, and they've been able to do it pretty well so far. So right now, I'm going to go ahead and say that Nichols keeps this one very close. I think this is one that's going to come down to the wire. They're going to play it pretty similar to how they played LSU. I have this one with La Tech taking the victory just slightly. I'm going to bring them on at 88-84. to 84. Wow. High scoring. And look, you know, sometimes in Ruston, those games get a little bit out of control. They're called the Dunkin' Dogs for a reason. Sometimes some high, fast scoring offense can put some points on the board pretty quick. All right. Let's look at the pro side of things. That's right. Pels versus Spurs. This Friday, the Pelicans welcome the San Antonio Spurs to the SKC. Pels are currently 500, 9 and 9, going into a matchup Wednesday with the Philadelphia 76ers. CJ McCollum, as of this morning, is still listed as out, but the thinking from the nest is that if he's not back Wednesday, he should be back for the Spurs on Friday, which the Pels could definitely take advantage of, with sharpshooter Matt Ryan still out with his calf strain. Even if CJ isn't ready for Friday, the Pels still have the majority of their starters, so there's going to be tons of firepower against the 3-14 and 14 struggling Spurs. I mean, it seems like all the Spurs are doing well this season is losing. Yeah. If you're a Pels fan planning to be in attendance for this one, it should be fun, and I imagine also a high-scoring contest. You want to go first? You want me to go first? I'll let you go first. On I give the Pels a big advantage in this one. Okay. Uh, like... Route style. Okay. 121-93. I like that. I like that. I would love to see it. I think the Pels need it. I think they're going to play a tough game on Wednesday night. We hope that there's no injuries there. However, on that front, there was a slight update right before the show. It, uh, uh, CJ McCollum is now listed as questionable for Wednesday night's game. Okay. And uh, Trey Murphy, if you forgot about him, uh, he is now doubtful coming off that meniscus injury we talked about right at the very beginning of Boots to Balls, if you've been around with us for all that time. So, look, if the Pelicans can truly achieve full health within the next few weeks, I think that this is a team that is going to take some major leaps. You're going to get your full roster having Jose, Trey, Zion, B.I., C.J. all play together, your core, play together for one of a handful of games in their time over the past three years. This will be an opportunity for the Pelicans to warm up for that style of play, to get back in that rhythm where they have all their shooters together. I think that this is one where, with Victor Wimanyama coming into the Smoothie King Center for the first time, we certainly hope we'll get to see him play. We know how sometimes resting rookies goes in the NBA. I think Zion wants to go ahead and show that, hey, I'm the big guy in the Southwest. I'm the guy who controls the inside of the paint. And he's not going to be afraid to throw around with the rookie a little bit. I have Zion. In particular, scoring big in this game. I think it's going to be the first time he hits 40 points this season. Oh, okay. I think that Pop is going to put together a pretty good solid defensive plan, but just won't be able to keep up by the end of the game. I don't have it quite as wide of a spread as you. I have it at 113, Spurs at 106. But that's a little bit of a comeback at the end of the game. We know how it tends to go in the end of basketball games. All right, 113, 106. Yep. Dig it. Like it. 
All right, Brett, we're moving back into football. Tulane versus SMU for the AAC championship. You in on this one? Yes, as much as I would hate to admit it. Actually, no, no, I'm going to go Mustangs. Okay. I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to say Mustangs 20, nope, nope, 27-21. For those of you watching in the post copy, we love to see the graphic of Coach Brett returning this week after its long hiatus. The Grinch who stole Christmas from Ewellman Stadium. Ironically, the Grinch is green too. Yeah. All right. This game might be the toughest game we predict this week. I think so. I think. The 10 and 2 unranked SMU Mustangs who finished undefeated in American Athletic Conference play face the 11 and 1 Tulane Green Wave who also finish undefeated in AAC play to determine whether or not the Green Wave will repeat as American Athletic Conference champs. Yes. ESPN bet has Tulane favored by 5.5 in this one with a 48.5 over-under. Meanwhile, the ESPN analytics matchup predictor says there's a 72.5% chance that the Mustangs gallop away with the W. Something's not adding up. Uh Uh-huh. Something's afoot at the Circle K. A few weeks back, Tulane's defense had me nervous, but they found a way to win. Last week, Tulane's defense came to play. It was their offense that made me nervous, but they still found a way to win. They have found a way to win every game this season except a very tough Ole Miss team that beat them by 17 when backup quarterback Kai Horton was under center. Yep. Not to take anything away from SMU, who's beaten some of the same conference opponents the way Tulane should have, but they haven't played quite as tough a schedule as Tulane with as much success as Tulane. I think this game is going to be tough. I think this game is going to be ugly. And I think this game is going to be close. If you are in New Orleans for this one, Yuleman is going to be loud. You're going to want to be out there. It's going to be a really fun time. Mm -hmm. And I think it's going to be even louder after Tulane finds a way to repeat as AAC champs late. And you are definitely going to want to disrupt their offense by cheering for the Mustangs anytime they play. Tulane with a fourth quarter comeback wins 31-27. I would love to see that. I would love to see the Green Wave get to take that step take that step for a Louisiana team to become sort of, you know, what ULL was able to do for some years with Billy Napier, sort of just be a constant dominating powerhouse in their conference and show that there's multiple levels of football that's played at an elite level in this state. That would be nice. However, I must trust the analytics. I must trust the information. <laughs> which which analytics? Exactly. They were torn. They exactly. were in both directions. So if we look at it on a deeper level, which is the BSN level. He's trying to tie it with me again. Wrong. Even better. What I'm doing is telling you some inside information that is in no way connected to the program. He's going to pick 28-23. He's going to slide right in between the boat. Inside of my heart. Inside of my heart. I think that this is a game that is going to be a hard-fought battle, but turnovers happen. They happen to the best of teams. They happen to the worst of teams. Not every story ends in a Cinderella castle. This one, however, will end in a swamp, but this is no Shrek story. This is the two-lane green wave sliding in the muck out of the NY6, allowing the sad, poultry Liberty Flames to somehow get on New Year's Six Bowl stage. I see Tulane dropping this one literally at the end. They're going to keep it close, but they will 
take the L. I have it at 27 to 22. Those things. <laughs> he just shit all over your prediction. Just a little Yours bit. was 27-21. He's at 27-22. One dollar, Drew. <laughs> What's crazy was my original prediction was 27-24. I don't even have to be close. Tulane could win at 3-0, and I win. Tulane could win at 27-22, and I win. Thank you, gentlemen. I appreciate yep. that. There's. We'll n- see what happens. Uh, Go wave, by the SMU way. SMU is going to show Tulane and Camaros where they belong in the trash. <sighs> shameful. Shameful. Tragic. Which is fine. Which is now the next I'm about team to, is shameful. I'm about to jump on that bus. Saints-Lions. I want to be positive yep. and optimistic about this. I want to say that the Saints haven't had a winning or losing streak longer than two games so far this season, and they've lost their last two, which means it's time for them to turn it around and catch a win. A win. I want to say that Jamal Williams likely had this game circled on his calendar and is chomping at the bit for a revenge game, but the way that he's been used this season, that's the hardest part of the desired optimism to believe. C.J. Gardner-Johnson, who could be coming back for the Lions off of IR for this game, is more likely to have a revenge game Mm. in this one than Jamal is. But if I'm being true to my gut, this was one of my predicted losses from earlier in the season. The Lions are 8-3, 4-1 on the road. We're going to be back at home in the Dome. Derek Carr is in a very unproductive slump. Yes. We have lots of injured skill players. Somehow, despite it all, the Lions are only favored by four in this one. Mm. Makes no sense to me. They looked a little like the Lions of old against the Packers last week, but we looked a little like the pre-Payton Saints of old against our division rivals last week. uh, To the fans, to my coworkers in the organization, I'm sorry. I would not mind being wrong about this one, but short of a black and gold miracle, this one remains one of my predicted losses. I'm picking Detroit 24-16. It's hilarious because I was going to pick them 21-17. Are are you still picking them 21-17? Yes, but for a minute there, I thought you said 21-16, but it didn't hit my brain that you said 24. No, I said 24. I thought that would have been hilarious. So well, you're 20, 21, 17? Yes. Okay. Go OCP. There is something to say about revenge. There's something to say about the test of time. Time heals <laughs> all wounds, but it creates deeper cavities. You need a dentist? No. I'm so confused. But what will be needing some rectification? Some what be, and the where? Will be the drilling that took place. <laughs> The drilling that took place on the Saints wide receiver in 2018 when the Jared Goff-led L.A. Rams disrespected the city of New Orleans. While the team has changed, the man who claims that nothing wrong ever happened, who took his team to the Super Bowl unjustly and laid a huge goose egg on national television, Mm -hmm. giving Brady... The biggest joke of a championship we've ever seen. 
will have to pay for his trial and tribulation. He must atone for his sins. And it will be done on the hands of A.T. Perry. Okay. I have Derek Carr and your New Orleans Saints going into one of their alternate universe comas they do. <laughs> I'm taking Derek Carr, three passing touchdowns, 224 yards, and A.T. Perry with two touchdowns, Foster Moreau with one, and the Saints a victory, 30-21. to 21. Wow. Do you really believe that, or did you just pick the Saints because – all the Saints have to do is win. Brett and I both picked Detroit. Uh, that's the reality. Destiny of the brings us to strange places. We sit down for two hours a week. Yep. And talk sports like normal human beings, and then suddenly we get into predictions, and this man becomes Socrates. I shall pontificate with the greatest and most poetic. Revenge is a dish best served cold, and it's very cold in space, like Khan did in Star Trek Two. But no, he went somewhere even I couldn't predict. That's That's saying a lot. (laughs) I I advocated for throwing dogs in the NCAA, and he was out here going pontificating about. I don't even know. That's right. You'll see. You'll see. Though. All right. Uh, last game we're predicting this week, Zydeco versus the Seawolves. Yep. Hockey. Brett, you in on this one? I don't know anything about hockey, but I'm going to say three to six Zydeco. Wow. I like wow. that. Wow. Like that. That would be the most points, most goals scored by the Zydeco in their history. If it happens, y'all owe me a piece of bubblegum. Okay. You know I can't bet. No, I, I'll give you that piece of bubblegum. That's not happening. This weekend, as we mentioned earlier, the Zydeco will host the Seawolves on Friday and Saturday. We are only predicting the Friday night game. The Seawolves and the Zydeco have met up twice so far this season with the Wolves winning both. Uh, one earlier this month, a close, high-scoring 7-6 to six matchup. I was wrong. They have scored six goals before. Uh, the other last week was a lower-scoring, not-as-close 3-1. to one. Since that last game, the Zydeco have split games with the Blue Ridge Bobcats from Wytheville. Withville. Withville? Withoutville. Wytheville. There's a Y in it. Love of God. Um, or Withville. Whatever. Rathville. The Blue Ridge Bobcats. <laughs> uh, they Did lost you know they the play seven- in a shed? I'm sorry. They what? play in a shed. They play in a shed. Yes. That is the most Fargo thing I have ever heard. With temporary stance. Stop it. They use it for mostly rodeo. Do they really? Yeah. I want to go now. I know. That sounds awesome. I think we should road trip. <laughs> Joseph, get us tickets. <laughs> All right. Um, Zydeco is still a very young team, but they are starting to come together. They have been in a lot of games this year. I think this is another one of those where the Zydeco plays well, stays in the game. Sadly, I think they fall just short in this one. Maybe... They finally topped the Seawolves Saturday in game two. But for this one, I've got the Seawolves four to three. I have to take a different route here. Please do. The Mississippi Seawolves play in the Gulf Coast Coliseum. Yes. That's Roman Okay, Socrates. And you see, Romans are known for their architecture. They're known for building grand buildings. But to go on the Odyssey with Homer over here. Great structures. But the greatest structure that is built in Mississippi is the Gulf Coast Waffle House. Right there on the beach. 
I, you all, I can't not, say you're not wrong. Not the new Gulfport Aquarium Waffle House. You all know which one I'm hey, talking hey, hey. about. It is a waffle home. It's a waffle home. <laughs> There's a lovely cook in the back smoking a cigarette at 2 a.m. while you walk up. You've had a rough night at one of their many beachfront properties. It's raised with a glorious view. Of you the maybe bay. even watch the uh, the shuckers, I believe is their name, mm-hmm. the clams down there. Take a few swings, and you swung a few back yourself. <laughs> but what you will what not see, what you we? will not see, is the Mississippi Sea Wolves come into our center. An apex, a strong point, a place to hold, a place to hold victories. The Raising Cans River Center will bring victory this week for your Baton Rouge Zydeco. I don't believe that you're actually. I have this game, game at, at five to three Zydeco. <laughs> I can no longer be made fun of for making ridiculous comments on this show by Donald. <laughs> Even I just—I feel like that scene from Billy Madison, the Adam Sandler movie, yeah, where they do this like Jeopardy kind of thing at the very end, and Adam Sandler as Billy Madison gets up and he tells this story about this elementary school book he read, and how it relates to the Industrial Revolution, and he goes, "So you see, it's just like that, and you got that damn dog." and he, at the end, though, just goes, no. <laughs> I award you zero points. That had nothing to do with anything, and we are all dumber for having listened to it. I don't, I don't feel like we're dumber for having listened to it, but I can't take these predictions seriously. He's like, when you go to the Waffle House, then you sit down after a shuckers game, and you shuck a couple of eggs right back in your throat hole. And you get you your pecan, your pecan, your pecan waffle, because there's an I in it, not like Wyville, Withville. Like, I can't even with you. <laughs> Federal Pacific Sweet Hockey Jesus. League, everyone. <coughs> Make your way down to the River Center. What did you even say? What is your score? Five to three. Five to three. Baton Zydeco. Rouge Zydeco win. All right. Uh, do we have any predictions from the listeners out there? <laughs> Were they able to keep I up with I think they're this? still trying all right. to. They're all watching the movie, not knowing what they're missing. Oh, they're going to they're get back to the stream afterwards yeah. and be like, this was way better than that stupid movie. I wonder what they were watching. Please comment. If you if you're one all of, of the, you if you are Jordan the Presley or the Easter Bunny, what movies were y'all watching? Both of y'all said you're going to come back and watch the show. I'm calling you out. Uh, comment what movie you were going to see. Yep. And what was more entertaining? <laughs> <laughs> and with that. All right. For the rest of you who obviously uh, are catching this after the live stream ends, if you've got questions, comments, want please to include do. your predictions, want to be part of the show, please hit us up. You can watch and interact with us on YouTube and leave all those comments in the comments Don't section. Don't forget to join on the next live stream where more beautiful predictions will be made. Which you can do by liking and subscribing. That way you'll get the alerts when we do go live. Uh, you can also take the audio-only version of this podcast with you wherever you go on services like Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music, you know, the like. The easiest thing to remember and tell all your friends. Tell your friends. It's 
bootsportsnetwork.com. That is your front row VIP ticket to Boots to Balls and all things Boot Sports. It's where you can leave those comments, questions, and predictions. Find us in your preferred podcast arenas. No matter where or how you listen, make sure to like and subscribe so that you never miss an episode. Also, don't forget to follow us on all your favorite social media channels. All our info right there in the ticker below. We are also now on TikTok. You yes. can follow me individually, or you can follow Boot Sports, or if you can follow both, that would be great. Do that. Uh, it just enhance your FYP. That's right. Um, yeah, I think that's pretty much it. So to everyone, have a great and fantastic weekend of Boot Sporting, and uh, we look forward to seeing you next time right back here for another coverage outkicking episode of Boots. Boots. Tubbles.